can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you any money to go And that's why Movies we missed Hey, hey, hey! And welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, joined by my lovely co-host, Jane Chloe Hammer. And before we get into the episode this week, I do want to take a moment and I want to let you know that if you want to keep tabs on us between apps, don't be afraid to head over to socials because that's where you're going to find us sleuthing about, um, trolling. Um, we can be found at Movies We Missed on Instagram, Facebook, and threads. That is at Movies We Missed on Instagram. Facebook and threads and come over and say hello and engage in the mm. conversation. Jane, how are you doing today? You have a quizzical look on your face. I'm so confused about the um, middle name you gave me today, Chloe. Is there a character Chloe. in the movie well, named absolutely Chloe? Absolutely, there's a character in the movie named Who was Chloe. Who's Chloe in the movie? A key character, a key character, a key <laughs> character named uh, Chloe. She is uh, none other than uh, one Miss Elizabeth Lawrence, who plays the role of oh, Chloe Williams. Oh, the mother, the mother, the mother. That's right. The mother, okay. the link, the, the mother. <laughs> she is mother. Just RIP, to put it. We lost her in uh, 2000, it looks like. Oh, so, wow. So this is like. Know, rest wow. in paradise. Rest in paradise. And I hope you've been resting for the last 23 years, almost 24 yeah, I hope there was no perg. I hope there was no purgatory. I yeah, hope no, I hope you straight, were right in, right in. I mean, if you, if you believe that sort of thing, you know, it's like everybody. For sure. Like, what, I, I, I assume everybody goes where their beliefs take them. That's what I hope, you know, if I want to. There's a to term get for that. I forget what the it. term is. Is there? Yeah. Yeah. Let me look it up really quick. Okay. Because I just, I felt like I just made that up in the moment, but it's probably just like in my subconscious somewhere. Yeah. Okay. So I found that. So the term religious pluralism, um, mm. that all religions are true. Um, okay. Yeah. And it's not really rooted in this idea of rationale, but like neither is religion. So like, right. but it's, but there's another term I've heard before other than that. I can't remember it, but it's like, it's like a catchier term than like religious pluralism. Well, uh, I guess my thought, my feeling about it is like, if it's true to you, it's true to you. You know what I omnism. mean? Omnism. Omnism is another name. It's a belief in all religions. Oh, um, see, like, I don't. And there are I, people that I don't believe in all religions, but I believe in people. I like, if it's true, uh, like I just said, if it's true to you, it's true to you. Yeah. And that's I fine think with it's me. Like, I think it's creating space for like a multitude of like. Uh, of beliefs and practices and faiths, and it's probably a way of sort of honoring like the experiences of everyone. I feel like yeah. it probably would be kind of difficult unless your belief is deep, unless your belief is grounded in this idea that like you think that we are all praying to the same God ultimately right. or something like that, which may be different than um, this. Sounds like that's different than omnism. If mm -hmm. if you have this belief that there is a God at the center of all of these religions that is ultimately the same being, then like I feel like that may be a little bit different, but. It's it's I think it's like creating space for everyone to sort of like worship uh, and honestly just live life in the way that they want to live life, whether or not you believe alongside them, mm. you like believe in their right. Um, yeah, I to, mean, that's my whole thing. Yeah. As long as it doesn't yeah. get in, in my way or anybody else's way, it doesn't it doesn't encumber my the laws of the land. It doesn't encumber yeah. any of my choices. Do you, baby? Pray to whatever Absolutely. you need to pray, pray to. 
Um, as long as you don't make me do it and you don't make laws based on the religion. That's all I care about. I get about. that. I feel that. And like discriminate people based on your religion, of course, as well. Absolutely. Well, you're, it's getting pretty, that list is getting pretty hefty. You know, I know. A little bit harder to fulfill. The more you name, you know where you live, right? Um, Jane, how are, how are you doing today? You doing good? You've got I'm, your camo sweatshirt on today. So I'm you're in your good. survivor, survivor era. Yeah. I was channeling Destiny Child when I put on um my little sweatshirt today and also i just like you know it's like i'm tired of being seen and perceived all the time i wanted to have i wanted to be uh, just a treat for me today i wanted to hide from the masses you know i've seen you at parties and i can assure yeah. you that you you might as well be the wallpaper um uh i've been in rooms where people have said where's jane and she's, she's so quote unquote, regaling the crowd um i do have to ask you a question though since you said you were in your survivor era yeah are you prepared to compromise your christianity <laughs> um not when i'm singing along to the song i'll tell you that i'm better than that um good for you good for yeah but you. only for the duration of the song to be honest because i would say yeah. depending on how your personal rules of christianity work to bring it back to religion i compromise christianity literally every day okay so um i get it but depending it. on what you believe depending on what you believe i think you know moralistically i try to do what i think is right um and some churches agree and some churches <laughs> condemn but you know absolutely that's the way of the world <sighs> we love we love to see it did you have, have mm-hmm. you had a good a good day a good morning so far yeah so this is funny because we are recording normally record in the evening but we are recording it sat uh, saturday at noon um just because of some crazy personal life stuff um which you know we don't have to go into it's boring but it is very like i get nervous when we record at different times like i get like a nervous energy like more so than when we like do our regular times so i'm like i hope i can turn it on at 12 p.m as opposed to like 6 p.m we normally do although it. it's although to be fair like we frequently hang out on the weekends and like yes we're usually hanging out around this time anyway so right we're just hanging out in a different way so that takes any pressure off or makes you feel any better it does i mean when i say i feel nervous i don't really mean like i'm biting my nails like i can i like you know it's just it's just a little ooh, you know like something different <laughs> so i mean yeah. i don't, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if nervous is the right term but um baby i'm never nervous in front of you i am who i am you know and um, okay look at your love it <laughs> um but there's a song in the kajafo called i am what i am okay it's like a, it was like sort of like championed as like it's a musical it was like yeah it was like championed as like I, a, I understand. one of the first like sort of like gay pride anthems yes. for a while um you know and, now we got and that's plenty the of them. that's the musical that the birdcage the movie was yes. based on mm-hmm. okay yes for those yeah. who don't know so which is um, um the first gay movie <laughs> and there was of, a french film time. before as well i'm kidding um, anyway. <laughs> it's not the uh, first gay movie <laughs> I just like that, like you didn't stop me with that, and I was like, I need to stop myself. I was gonna let it fly, <laughs> okay, because okay. right. it's someone's truth. Um, Speaking of the first gay movie, Sleeping with the Enemy, also the first absolutely. Gay movie. This mm-hmm. is a queer classic. We mm-hmm. have one of the first A-list uh, lesbians to come mm-hmm. out, Julia Roberts, starring mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. this film about a lesbian woman mm-hmm. in an abusive relationship with her older. Um, lesbian partner yeah mm -hmm. um played by tyne daly um (laughs) it is the story of her getting away 
And, and, and uh, later you see her run into the arms of Cherry Jones. So it's... it is <laughs> it is a nail biter. It is a mm-hmm. knuckle scraper. Mm-hmm. And um, we're really excited to be uh, covering it. That is not what this movie is about. It's uh, absolutely Roberts, not what it's about. <laughs> Julia Roberts did not play a lesbian in this film. I don't know if Julia Roberts ever has, but I'm, I'm sure, sure she starts. Definitely not in 1991 when she was 22. No. At the tippy top of her career, she wasn't playing gay. If that, she started, if she started that didn't chomping mean... for... No. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say that didn't mean Oscar until like the, you know, mid 2000s. You know what I mean? No, that's not true, Jane. That meant Oscars in the 90s as well. Tom Tom Hanks won that Oscar for Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. This is like actually prime time. I think that but I think you're right in that. I think she was too a little bit too young in her career to be able to Um, take the risk. I actually don't. You know what? I don't know. It probably I bet it depends on the project and I bet it depends on like who, you know, I'm I'm sure if they had thrown Earhart at her and uh, maybe oh it would have done better than God. it did in Swain's hands a little bit later. <laughs> we love you, girl. Uh, we love Freedom you Rider. and we wish it had done better. I didn't see it, but... Um, I didn't either. And nobody's seen uh, Earhart either. The person. So um, she's missing. <laughs> well, people and, have uh, seen her, just not in a while. <laughs> yeah. And also, I guess I don't need to say she's missing anymore. I mean, I think... <laughs> the dust is settled. Um, it's an active investigation. What if you like? What if you like went to like the FBI and they were like, okay, we've got like a cold case people working, and they're like, okay, we're working, we're working the Earhart case. Like, would you be like, okay? It's Are like there any like she- pressure? Like and, missing people that we could like, like that you could like, assign I to. I love, I love that we want answers, and I think you know the Earhart estate deserves it. But I do kind of feel like it's like, what family members that are super connected to her do we still have that we still need to spend money on this? I feel like that's the next Earhart movie. Is like some gritty movie starring like Kate Blanchett as like her great granddaughter. Oh my she's god! Like, I will not rest until she does in the family plot. <laughs> Her name has been struck through the mud, as has mine. We bear the same one. I want answers for my great grandmother, for and my mother called- who went to her grave, oh, quivering so- and screaming the name Amelia. I shall have them. It's like Lucy Earhart is. Uh, also, like I kind of got into that, and now I kind of think that movie would eat a little I bit. I was sorry, I was joking, was and like, then I was like, No, 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 my my <laughs> wheels are turning, and I'm like, This is actually an incredible idea and i think you and i should take this offline and write it and i think so too trademarked everything you said trademark copyright trademark um you heard it here first cue the Earhart estate suing the shit out of us they're like first of all who's lucy who's lucy baby (laughs) (laughs) she she is everything she stands everyone she's everything and she's played by Kate Blanchett I would love I would love for you to have more questions because she's the Omni Earhart she's the Omni Earhart Jane what if we got Kate Blanchett and we got Tilda Swinton to just switch (gasps) off like scene by scene oh my god sort of like sort of like that Bob Dylan movie where a bunch of different actors play Bob Dylan but it's Tilda and Kate and nobody else I would would fucking die sorry I just got goosebumps I'm so excited do you remember that movie? It came out in like 04. It was by Todd's Todd Salons. It's called um it's called Palindromes. And it was like this yes. movie. Yes. Uh, who also I, did Welcome to the Dollhouse that we've covered on the podcast. Yes. And it's a One, movie where literally as if you don't know, palindromes is a word is like any word that is spelled 
the same way uh, backwards and forwards. If that and there, there can even sense. be like palindromic like sentences. Or radar. Yeah, yeah. It can, there can even be like palindromic sentences that are exactly the same forward as they are backwards. Yes. Yeah. It's it's that movie actually I haven't seen it in a long time. I watched Me it either. once and I remember it being I remember really enjoying it. It um, was a really good I actually think Brandon we watched that in my apartment on Berwyn like 100 years ago because I have a vague memory sitting in my living room with you watching that. It could be I'm just like putting that in but i know that i watched it in that apartment at some point and i think you were there oh my god that'd be great i know and we can like oh my god we do this movie we get like oh jillian anderson in the mix that'd be great amazing uh, if we could get like viola mm. angela on board and then the the like the Oof. press campaign will literally just be like i am Earhart, and it'll yeah. just be like these beautiful like uh, Annie Leibovitz like, shot like of these iconic women of each of these women there also needs to be at least two very graphic sex scenes between any combination of anybody Can it be, oh, in the, the cast women fucking each other yeah yeah, who, absolutely. Like, who else would it be? I mean, like, this is a movie about Amelia Earhart. And it's like, it's almost like masturbation in a way. Yes, and yeah. you know what? Oh, I'm, I'm gonna, that. I'm gonna say it right now. No men in the cast. Not even an yes, extra. Or what if we did one? That'd be like the women, mm-hmm. the women from 19, 1926 mm-hmm. I believe. It is like no men, or you just get like the back of the man, of a man's head, but no men have dialogue in yes. the movie. Yeah. So like, they maybe I would love like that. bring a platter of you know. Um, champagne to the room where the orgy's happening. I don't know, but they say nothing and they don't get to interact. I have, okay, this is actually too crazy, I think, but okay. what if like when <laughs> characters weren't playing Amelia, they were playing other people and they were switching off who played those people too. Like who played Amelia's like best friend or who played like like the secretary. Okay, and so sometimes it's sometimes it's a Viola, sometimes it's Jillian yes. Anderson. Okay, yeah. I get it. Okay, They're I'm like into it. They're like constantly playing it. different roles and we obviously we could use wigs and stuff to do it. I don't know if that'd be too confusing for the audience, but But we could find could a way really to like... create that through line, but I do feel like Angela Bassett should be um, because I would love to do a colorblind casting moment. I would love her to be Kate Blanchett's mother. Do you think that that age difference works? No, but I do think. (laughs) But like, this is Hollywood, baby. Don't you think that would be a nice dynamic? I mean, well, she can do anything. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like the two of them doing that. Or they could be lovers. How old is Kate Blanchett? Because in my mind, she's... she's 54. Well, okay, that doesn't work at all. And Angela Lansbury, <laughs> Angela Lansbury who I Whoa. would love to get in the mix, too. If I could no, get no, her no. estate to let me... Stop. Stop <sighs> trying to add Angela Lansbury to everything. This was supposed to be a sexy movie. We're not having Angela Lansbury. I'm sorry. <laughs> she was a vi- She's a very vibrant, very she's sensual also, sexual woman in Murder, She um, Wrote. Unfortunately, not with us. But Angela Lansbury, starting with Murder, She Wrote, I don't know about her career before then, was literally everybody's grandmother. There's no, you I don't mean, sexualize Angela. She Lansbury. was like, but like Manchurian candidate before that. Like, I she didn't was like see that. the sexy, like, 
you know, mother who was using machinations to like control her son. It's all like she's got it in her. I do agree with you that that would require a lot of work and a lot of like estates <laughs> well, sort of getting in concert with each other to take those it clips from. Require raising a woman from the dead. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. We're not marionetting. We're not going that by. No. But what, that like probably a, is too like much. Like a hologram moment. I don't know. But I. We're not. Also, stop trying to make Angela Lansbury happen. Also, like, I feel like something like that would be very much like it could get us like the press we needed because it's like, okay, so like they've gone to like the estate of like Angela Lansbury and they've gotten permission to like use like clips of her from like, you You know, know movies made in like 1944. We have a clip of her from like the Hoodlum Saint in 46 and we've like spliced them all together to make a sex scene. This is this is what we're creeping into mm-hmm. is ai which is like what the the uh, you yeah, know sag strike we're was not doing just, that just a, like you know fighting against using people's images without their permission so i feel like that it, again angela lansbury cannot be in the mix yeah. no matter gonna, how badly you want it i also just imagine us like doing this like press tour and like <laughs> Black turtlenecks like, and blazers. Why are we def- doing the press tour? We're and just the writers, maybe the directors. Nobody's ever heard of us. And it stars Kate Blanchett, um, Angela Bassett, Violet Davis, Jillian Anderson. Like, why are we being interviewed? If you don't want to, if you don't want to be on the cover of Vanity right. Fair with all of those I women do. beautifully I styled around you sitting and like sitting on like a chaise or something I do. of course i do my own i'm just be, i'm just trying to be the one to bring us back down to earth that's all and it's like <laughs> you know his girls describe the greenhouse effect in this interview and then it's like everybody talking about what it's like what to work the hammerheads? the hammerheads will get theirs for you sure cut me out of this so quick this is why we can't ever work in relationship no and i was and just like i would i just like that better image you know what i mean Excuse like one person like one you, person in the center and then like are arms a and stuff movie around. about women starring women and you want to cut off your female just for the photo shoot just for the photo shoot for vanity for fair photo shoot this is disgusting and you know what this is where i want to bring back the hemispheres the misogyny gay men are not free from misogyny thank you very yeah. much you get the cover of hemispheres though what is hemispheres it's the exclusive uh magazine of delta airlines i believe <laughs> it's and it's also united and it's united airlines and it's also the last airline magazine thank you david our producer it is the last of its kind baby and you are one of a kind so, so that would be like I, so i get hemisphere and you get vanity fair why can't yeah. we get why can't we do vanity fair together we could. Oh, you know what we should do? One of those fold-out covers. And, mm-hmm. and I'm in front you, of the fold. I am not behind no, the fold. I'm in front Don't of the you fold. Dare. And you're no, on the I'm other side. I'm in front side. of the fold. I'm on the front other of the side fold. is the best because it's like the peekable moment. You think you've seen the fold. This movie is about women and you want to be the face of it. I just, I need that to be. I don't want to be the face of it. I okay, just want to be among okay, the faces but you, but you of these A-list be, actresses. You want to be on the cover before your female-identified co-creator. I I think that it'd be interesting to just see that happen. I also think that we would have a really hard time like defending. We'd have to like really get our bullshit together (laughs) to just be like, look, this is a woman we've both been fascinated with since we were children. Um, Earhart is a story, Mm. is the story of all women in a way. What does Mm -hmm. it mean to have like all consuming ambition and Mm -hmm. to take on the world in this kind of a way and then to disappear? Like, what does it mean to be present? 
always and to simultaneously mm-hmm. never be seen. Mm-hmm. And that's our and that's our through line. And, and and in a way, we are all Lucy Earhart. We are all, all Lucy Earhart's of our lives. You know, I am Earhart is this. Oh, and we have people from all walks of life on the cover of like posters and stuff. Mm. Like I am Earhart. I am Earhart. You know, oh, like oh, this press campaign. We had to get. You think a twenty four? Do you think they do it? You this think this is only a twenty four material. Yeah. Like this is this is. I rife. think the Daniels. Honestly, I yeah. think that if we could get the Daniels on board to Ugh. work with us, I that mean, would be the dream. We need a lot of money to pay these to pay these actresses. This though, is going we're to be an them to expensive beat. Like and also, I'm not and... selling this for pennies for crumbs. No, no, no. Oh my god, the Oscar, the Oscar race would be so fabulous. Uh, we do have to talk about what we would wear, just in terms of like, are we dressing like totally separate looks, or is there some amount of coordination? I think some amount of coordination. I just want to wear yeah. really, really like the longest coattails anyone's ever seen on a tuxedo. Okay, so longer than like Billy Porter's dress tuxedo. Yeah, and I probably would need okay. somebody to carry it, um, just to carry the tails part between photo mm-hmm. ops and things. Yeah, yeah. You, sorry, you need some who to carry it? I don't. Somebody. I don't know. Okay, I thought the implication was me, so I just want to make sure that like because my dress is going to be literally. I'm going to be the you, end you of are the carpet. So on ed- you are so I'm on edge. Be at the end of the you carpet, are- and my dress is my t- the the fucking train of my dress is going to be at the beginning of the carpet do you understand what i'm saying yeah you just explained it <laughs> i feel like i feel like you are triggered because you're like who, who's carrying those coattails you're already casting yourself because, as a person baby, carrying the coattails because baby you already tried to stamp Ugh. me out and oh, i am God. on high alert and speaking of high alert we have a movie this week where yeah, our was somebody who wasn't on this high alert as they should have been. <laughs> who should have been on higher alert. <laughs> Look, but we are not victim no, blaming. And no, we're also, of let's be clear, not. this is a comedic podcast. But yes. I want before we even start, I want to just like, obviously, like we don't really okay. do trigger warnings and we probably should for every episode. Either, <laughs> but we want to let you know this was, is going to be a movie, a discussion about like abuse, domestic yes. abuse, domestic violence. Um, and like we want to be clear. Obviously, we stand with the survivors. We believe the survivors. We believe people that come forward. I was going to say women, but they're also men and non-binary folk who yes. deal with like, you know, this kind of abuse. So we want to be clear that we stand with those uh, victims. This is a comedic podcast. We are going to navigate a comedic discussion, uh, but also make it clear that we understand, uh, we respect these stories, and like, this is about a movie about a thing. And I just want to make mm-hmm. that clear. Um, so, yeah. That's, no, uh, that's... I'm glad you're saying that, and I think like when we take shots and um, make jokes, we are always trying to punch up, but if there's a moment where that doesn't happen, we will try to hold each other accountable, and obviously, if you hear something that we miss, like we want to be held accountable for it, too. So... We're- Yeah, we're also like coming after like a specific story and we're like breaking down and we're picking apart a specific story about Mm -hmm. domestic violence from then from 1991. So like, let's keep all of those factors in mind. Uh, Yeah. So that was just what I wanted to say, sort of preface it, because we're here to do like a comedic podcast and like have fun, obviously. And Mm -hmm. this is a movie that is campy and over the top and like kind of what we love here at the podcast and uh yes totally it's got the high drama it's got julia roberts uh Mm -hmm. you already know but we are looking at 1991 sleeping with the enemy Mm -hmm. and uh 
yeah, I'm ready to have some fun and to talk about it. And y'all know how we do it here. Uh, So I want to go ahead and jump into my synopsis. Is that okay, Jenny? Please. I would love that for all of us. Me too. I feel it feels like time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like I jump in early, but this feels like, you know, the stars have aligned. Yeah. In a really nice way. So Mm. got to go to that place to get there. But Mm. okay. Lord knows our pretty woman has always given us something to talk about. But this time, we've got something to balk about. Julia Roberts is Laura Burney, a woman who seems to have it all. A beautiful home, more hair than should be legal, and a mustachioed wealthy daddy of a husband. Think Michael Douglas in Wall Street without the gravitas or authority. Laura and Martin appear to have the perfect life. One teensy-weensy-itsy-bitsy problem. He is a literal fucking monster. She suffers profound physical, sexual, and emotional abuse at the hands of this guy. And after years of this torturous behavior, she's had enough. Laura orchestrates an old-school-style jailbreak. She endeavors to escape her Cape Cod mansion by way of water. Now, just take a secky-poo and guess what Laura's biggest fear is. Next to gaslighting SOBs, who lightly resemble John Stossel, that is. The water, of course. And during an ill-fated moonlit sail with Groucho farts, she absconds faking her death by drowning. Laura is free to build a new life in a new place, away from the lacquered opulence, shiny marble, and geometric furnishings that defined her glamorous 1990s life in the cave. Our girl finds herself in Cedar Falls, Iowa, renting a small but quaint home on a peaceful street. She is free, free to find herself, and maybe even L-O-V-E? She soon becomes involved with Ben, a young, sweet theater teacher who lives next door. He's had enough townie pee and now has his eyes set on the mysterious new gal in town. And as they fall in love, Laura finds peace for the first time. She allows herself to be lulled into a sense of sereneness. Hubby Martin soon discovers his wife is anything but dead. In fact, she's more alive than she's ever been. Now, it's just a matter of time before she has to wake up from her idyllic middle American slumber or find herself once again sleeping with the enemy. Chills. (laughs) Up and down. Um, I really appreciated the John Stossel reference because I was trying to figure out what the fuck this guy looked like or who he looked like to me. And that is so on board. Um, for the kids who don't know, John Stossel is like, I don't know, like a TV presenter, right? Yeah. Yeah, He's a TV host. Isn't he like, wait, he's an institution. Okay. But isn't he like, kind of like right wing and like Fox newsy? Um, I know he was on ABC news. Actually, I don't know. That's a good question. Is he? Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking him up right now. He's yeah, he's he's a little at least an initial search. He appears to be sort of right wingy, which is unfortunate. But, you know, what are you going to do when you have a mustache like that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yikes. But he does look like the monster in our movie. So um, So interesting. um... Yeah. Interesting to uh, start there. So do you have any stats on the movie? (laughs) 
And you know I do. Always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, these are not about... So John Salsa was born in 1940... No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> the, movie. Um, the movie was released on February 8th, 1991. <laughs> it was made for sorry. a budget of 19... <laughs> so funny to me. It's so fucking stupid. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. That's just what, we, that's just what this turns into. Um, a retrospective. Uh, unauthorized. Uh, it was... It was Okay, this movie was released on February 8th, 1991. It was made for a budget of $19 million. And then it made $175 million at the box office. That is a certified hit. uh, Mm -hmm. And our girl Julia's power, you know, as as a box office girly was was only growing in strength. This Mm. is she'd done movies in the 80s. Um, She sort of like started making her name in 1990. However, the gargantuan hit that has defined her career to this day, Pretty Woman, was released. Mm. Roberts received an Academy Award nomination uh, and it really catapulted her to a new level of stardom. And she just dominated all of the 90s. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this movie falls like right in line with that, Uh, you know, and it's, it's kind of fitting then that Julia won the Oscar. For a movie released in 1999, finally, you know, after this decades-long career, Erin Brockovich. Mm-hmm. So she dominated the 90s, won that Oscar in 2000, and uh, yeah, it's continued to, you know, I, Julia Roberts doesn't do as many movies as she used to do, for sure. I know she has a family, and her husband is Danny Motor, and I think he owns like a tequila company that he like co-owns with John with uh, George Clooney. Um, <laughs> My God, Casamigos, just- I think. Is it? I thought that was. Oh, is that actually a hot? In my head, I was thinking that was Cindy Crawford's husband, but he, I, I don't You're know. Probably right. I, I have know. no idea. These rich people probably, are just like making money hand over fist, starting very successful tequila companies, of which I'm getting blended cocktails of on you know whatever establishment I choose to frequent for my cocktails. I don't know what I'm talking about, but um, Julia was and is an icon, but you don't see her as much anymore because I think she truly does what she wants to do now. And is like, it has to be a very exciting project or something that she's really excited about to, um, <clears throat> to leave the ranch and uh, come back to Hollyweird. <laughs> I don't know if maybe she I did just ranch. make that up. Maybe that's not true at all. I think you may be right. I think maybe it's <laughs> I think you're maybe right. And I want to be I want to be so I think that there's no connection then between Danny Motor and George Clooney and they do okay. not. Because I thought that was Randy Gerber, Cindy Crawford's husband. But I like yeah, I don't know. You're right. You're right. Okay. So my bad. So so yeah. So Danny Motor is Julia Roberts' husband, and he does not own a tequila company, but he <laughs> does get to be married to Julia Roberts. So good for him. Yeah. I mean, um, they got a lot of money either way. So I also, for some reason, it's funny. It's actually funny that I made that mistake because do you remember like, like Julia Roberts and Cindy Crawford used to like get confused for each other, like all the time. And that was like Did a they? huge thing in the 90s. Yeah. Cause they kind of like look a lot alike. Oh. And that was like a big thing. I feel like and like, and I think it was sort of like Cindy Crawford was like, I don't you know, the A-list model, like ever. Julia Roberts was the A-list actress. They were both sort of had that like, kind of like auburn colored hair with like the tinge of red in it i just feel like that's a thing from the maybe that's why i got them confused do you not remember is this? that I'm making no everything i i feel like that may like there's sometimes some people get like certain celebrities confused because they think that they look similar but like it's not a widespread thing i haven't heard of it but it's possible that it is a thing or maybe it's just something for you I think they're just like, I think maybe it's just a thing that like people would say they were like celebrity doppelgangers. Um, kind of. Right. I understand what you're saying, but I don't remember hearing that. 
Because like there are certain celebrity doppelgangers I feel like people talk about. This is not one that yeah. I remember. Uh, but that's I okay. That also doesn't. Um, you could just be making shit up on this podcast. Look, the the point is, is that nobody is holding you accountable. So you can say whatever the fuck you no, want. That's for sure. Yeah. I used to think the same thing. And they don't look alike now. People that don't actually look alike. But as a child, I don't know if it was just because I was like, oh, I don't know if it was just white people that I thought. I used to always get Rob De Niro and uh, Al Pacino confused. I used to always get Glenn I get Close that. and Meryl Streep I get that. Confused. They're kind of similar. Yeah. I think Wait, also they the do similar one? kinds of uh, um, Meryl Streep and... Uh, um, and Glenn, Glenn Close. Close. I used to always get yeah. those two like confused with each other Me as too. well as a kid. I thought they were kind mm-hmm. of the same people. Um, mm-hmm. So I probably chalked them up. They were both, Cindy Crawford, Joey Roberts were all over everybody's TV screens in the 90s. And we didn't have social media, so you just watch what they threw down, your, shoved down your throats. Um, they're both <laughs> iconic, though. And we love them both here. 100%. Um, but yeah, so that was the movie. Jane and I have our patented like it, love it, mm. love it, which is how we break down the movies and sort of like shape our discussions uh, around the films. Um, and we're going to start with our like it's for this movie. Mm. Uh, Jane, um, what's the first like it you want to get us started with? Don't don't be afraid. Don't be scared. I won't. I'm, I'm going to tell it like it is. Um, my first like it point. Tell it like it is. Mm. If you want someone mm. to play with. Okay, that was my Neville moment. Everybody knows. That's beautiful. That was beautiful. And you sounded just like him. I do a really um, good Aaron Neville. No I shame. know you can do I think you've done it on the podcast before. I'm sure I have. I just can't move. <laughs> like, I literally have to be completely still. And like, yeah. if I move it, I'll, I'll fuck it up. Yeah. Well, um, I think it'd be fun to figure out what episode that's in. But I have no idea. Because I remember distinctly you doing it. Um. So my first like it is um so they're in this like the beginning of the movie is like they're in this beautiful like modern beach house in cape cod and as brandon mentioned in his note um in his synopsis that laura is afraid of swimming she doesn't like to go swimming um and martin her monster of a husband with mustache who looks like john stossel meets this guy at the dock and the He's on his boat and he's like, oh, I got this boat, blah, blah, blah. I would love to take you guys out for a ride on the boat. And, um, you know, we are witness to this whole conversation with Martin and the boat guy. And Martin's like, OK, I'll try to convince my wife to um, come take a ride on the boat. So he comes up and he's having this conversation with Laura, Julie Roberts at the house. And he goes, he says, I have a beautiful house. Best on the beach. And I fucking burst out laughing because we were witness to the entire conversation and that boat guy never fucking said that to Martin. And he's just like weirdly lying about this flex to his wife. So strange. He like comes up and he's like, he like comes home and he's like talking to her about like, most of this conversation is just like, lies it's just like it's a series of like things that he just makes up that like were said to him that weren't said to him and uh (laughs) this is what like sets up like one of the first like actual like uh moments of violence in the movie it's the character i think his name is like fleischman uh i think kyle sakura played the character who like owns his boat and literally like martin rolls up on him we find out that he's basically renting the next door neighbor's home Mm. um he's a doctor he lives in boston and um basically he, he says like he says to him like oh um 
that must be your wife that I keep seeing staring down at staring down from the window. Mm. And then he says, Martin says, Laura. And then mm-hmm. he says, you're a lucky man. I've been admiring your house. And so like that. So like that's the extent of the communication. And then this leads to like <laughs> one of the first like scenes of violence in the movie. He comes back up to the house and Martin comes back up to the house and after telling, by the way, after telling all his wife's business, because they're out there, this For guy's real. talking about his like little, although, so this is like a tiny boat to be taking. I don't know shit about boats, but this just feels like a boat I wouldn't have like it's loved It's not a to tiny boat. It's a regular size boat. I, it just I felt mean, like, I don't know. It just seems scary to me. Anyway, um, <laughs> I guess I'm showing, showing my Laura, uh, but he's like, oh, my wife has a childhood, has a childhood fear of the water. Um you know, from an accident that she had when she was a kid and she almost drowned. And he's like telling him all this stuff. And then the guy is like, the guy also says like, um, says something to the effect of like, it would be like, I think it'd be like a good time to take her out on like the water. And it's like, you don't know her. <laughs> like, right, like what, you can't make what? that call. You just you, found out what her name was. And you're talking about staring at her through the window like a creep. And you've just made a decision like, about her life. It's time. Yeah. It's time for her to go in the water again. Honestly, she needs uh, to get over this childhood bullshit. It's like, I'm sorry, I'll, Fleischman, I'll is it? Who the fuck are you? Yeah, Doc. Doc <laughs> from, from Boston. Um, And then Martin goes back up to the house and he says... To his wife. And you know, like, it's that thing when you watch these movies and you get in this, like, you temporarily get in the psyche of, like, a completely unhinged person. Because you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I've seen enough Lifetime movies. I know I know what's going to set this this guy with the, <laughs> with the low self-esteem off. And he walks up to the house and he comes in and, you know, she's doing whatever, like, rich white women do in the house. I think mm-hmm. she's, like, trimming the calla lilies. And Martin comes in and he says, met the new neighbor. He says, I have a beautiful house. Best on the beach. When was he in the when was he in here yesterday? Oh, sorry. When was oh, sorry? Let me read that again. <laughs> met the new doctor. Met the new neighbor. He says I have a beautiful house. Best on the beach. When was he in here? Yesterday when I went into town. And then she says, Martin, I, I don't know the doctor. And he says, Sure you do. Young, good looking. Good, young, good looking. Out there fixing his sailboat. Out there fixing his sailboat down there. He says, You've been staring at him from the window down there. Does it give you? And then he slaps her. He says, you've been staring at him from the window down there. And then he slaps her across the face. And then he like leans in. And in this gruff voice, he says, does it give you that much pleasure to humiliate me? (laughs) And like, it's just like such an unhinged scene. According to you, Brandon, he's a like 1920s gumshoe as well. I don't know what's going on. It's that was a voice I gave him. Yeah, he, he, yeah. He that, does, I don't know why that he was. He does a, have a strange way of speaking. It's not exactly that, but it's it's weird. They're going for like they're going for like that sort of like I feel like that mid Atlantic like yes. Catherine Hepburn style yes. like moment. Like mm-hmm. it's not quite British, but it's dancing around it. Yeah, and 100%. it's like you know when a pop star starts making over a certain amount of money and then buys a home in Europe and mm-hmm. they come back with this accent, you can hear it the in Madonna a Lady Gaga, mm-hmm. a Madonna, um, the iconic, <laughs> the legend. I love her, and she's one of my favorites of all time. Tina Turner had a little bit of it too. It's of like that thing where something changes with your voice because you've made a certain amount of money and you just you get a different thing about the world and. Mm-hmm. Um, Tina always had a little bit of it in her voice, but mm-hmm. there is just this sort of thing. Catherine Hepburn is the most famous example I think of it. Um, but 100%. Martin has a She's little bit of that quality for everything. Um, but Martin <laughs> has a has like a little bit of that like 
in his voice and yes. it's all like affect and it's all just like a, a part of like the facade that he wants to present to the world of being more than what he is mm-hmm. but yeah that whole scene is un it's like unhinged and he comes upstairs and just starts spouting lies just like <laughs> out of his ass things that did not happen things that were not said yeah um and he's just like when was he, when was he in our house what he said he made he said he made eggs at the stove <laughs> he described our he described our well, lack you of floor laid him you know what I mean? It's like, okay. When, yeah. He said that he he said you had the best poon in town. <laughs> it's just like, what? Did he? Because I heard part of the conversation. It seemed like it was mostly about birds. Yeah. Um, he's like, yeah, but I can read between the lines. Uh, so yeah, so we've got Kooky um, yep. going mm-hmm. at it and it is completely unhinged and it's how we start our journey. Um, yep. I, so... Oh. So my first like it about this movie, one thing I realized, because I rewatched the movie again, and one thing I realized is that they have they have canisters that I had in my house growing up. They have like, really? in, yeah, they have canisters. I noticed it because in the movie, they give us like a series of scenes to sort of like demonstrate what a crazy fucking psycho Martin is. Mm-hmm. And like one of the scenes, she opens a cabinet and it's these like clamped uh, canisters. They're like black ceramic canisters. Um, and I was so like, oh my God, not my childhood you- canisters. Grew up in wealth and opulence. I grew up in wealth, mm. opulence. Um, mm-hmm. If we had them, and if they were by any stretch of the imagination the same brand as these people, then we got them from a rummage sale because that's mm-hmm. what we used to do. That's what we'd be doing on a Saturday right now. My mom would literally <laughs> wake me up, grab a comforter, throw me in the backseat of the car with the comforter. We would stop at like some place and get something for breakfast, like mm. really quick, and then we would just be like hidden driving around town like in my mom. cute little saturday to me that i would it, have honestly, hated as a kid i would have hated it as a kid but as an adult i would have loved it i the thing that was nice about it as a kid though was like i could just sleep in the back of the car as my mom drove from place to place and eventually what would happen is i would wake up and then i would i would pop up and i would go out into like i would get out of the car i would like see whatever sale we were at we we're always at somebody's house and she was out of the car i'd find the rummage sale i'd just go join her and then i'd start looking at toys and stuff and you're always getting that shit on like deep discounts, oh, especially yeah. the estate sales. So then mm-hmm. when I wake up, it's it's time for me to get mine. And I'm like, whoa, these these G.I. Joes are looking pretty good. Are these these trolls, this hair isn't too matted. I can make this work. Uh, Jules in the belly still like so it was really that was what happened uh, when I woke up. So it was like you get to wake up and you get some, you know, gently used toys. And that was really like a mood. I mean, she would tell me no, like you know, you can't have that. But a lot of times, I would walk away with something. I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting something out of this. And uh, I now I kind of wish somebody would wake me up and take me around to like rummage sales, and then I just get to wake up from the back seat. Uh, Dave in the other room is screaming, "You don't want to be woken up." But you know what? <laughs> you don't know me. I mean, for a rummage sale, for yeah. an estate sale. With a little, uh, uh, if he wraps you in a comforter, why not, you know? Also, estate sales, and carries me to the car. Also, estate <laughs> sales are, like, different to me now, I think, as an adult. Because it's like, you're literally walking through people's homes. Just, like, going through people's stuff. There's something so, like, as an adult, I would be nosy in a different kind of way than I was as a of child. Course, but it is crazy course. to think about just, like, because sometimes it's, like, all of the rooms on the main floor or upstairs. Like I remember estate sales where it's like you'd go into each room and like things were for sale in those respective rooms. Mm-hmm. A, you're really trusting people, but also having done rummage and garage sales, I when we would do that kind of shit, I don't want to put any of this back in the house. So even if you like lift some stuff, I don't really care. As yeah. long as we get rid of as much of this as possible, because if it's out here, 
we don't really care to, about it. Yeah. Then you have to carry it back into the house. And that's I think eBay and those kind of sites probably ruined like that kind of a thing. But it was definitely still like do it, though. People still do it. Probably like in different kinds of areas. It's hard in like a city like Chicago, I feel like. Yeah. To do something you don't like see that it as much. People, and people live in apartment buildings and stuff. So it's like you got to get mm-hmm. through a gate and like you got to get the permission of like the people who own the apartment. It's a whole thing. Anyway, all of that to say <laughs> the canisters in the movie were uh mine and this is also the first scene where we get introduced to um he has this um he's kind he's neurotic and he's like he has this thing about everything he's a little ocd he has a thing about everything being exactly a certain way and mm-hmm. like she opens up the canister the um the cabinet that has those ceramic canisters in it and i'm like oh and then she opens up the canister the um cabinet next to it and it's all these cans of uh like non-perishables mm-hmm. but like some of the labels are turned the wrong way and all of the labels need to be directly facing forward so you get kind of introduced to like her lifestyle and a little bit of like her i mean the psyche of her husband and like the world that she is trying to navigate where like everything has to be just so always um yeah, so yeah. i think the interesting thing about this movie is that when you, they first start to introduce that stuff to you you don't totally understand whether it's her or him but then mm-hmm. it's very clearly him once you sort of move further along that's really interesting jane i mean mm-hmm. i think that's kind of i think that's interesting because it's sort of like in a way at least sort of hints towards like the fact that like sometimes in these situations the person who is sort of the victim of what's going on or you know the, the hopefully you know the the victor at the end but like mm-hmm. they have become they have come to sort of mirror like the world and like mm-hmm. the requirements to be within the world of their abuser so like mm-hmm. it is at the beginning it is a little bit unclear like whose whose world this is whose rules these are um, right. until we start to see certain little things happen and then we're like okay this is this is this for is sure him yeah um, exactly it's, i think the hand towels are the first time that we're really yeah. introduced to it there's three hand towels on uh like a towel rack in the bathroom and, and they're uneven and i think and you see i thought the cans in the cabinet were the first thing that um, because I, no, I think the cans in the cabinet. I think yeah. you're right. I think they are, but, but I think we like we realize it's her husband when he calls her and he's like, "Um, these towels are not straight." You know, like she's literally like, like sitting outside, like having like breakfast, and he he pokes his head out, and he doesn't just poke his head out. He walks outside, he grabs her like by the hand, like and like gently, like it's not like an aggressive moment, but like you know, as you watch the movie, it's laced with like there's always the potential for violence. Yeah, and he like sort of grabs her hand and brings her inside, and she actually says, "Ooh." it's a little early for that don't you think um because she thinks he like wants to have sex and she's got to like try and like you know steal herself for not throwing up all over him um and he brings her into the bathroom and shows her the towels and like then she says oh i'm so sorry i must have missed it and he says it's okay we all make mistakes but you really uh, know it's not fucking okay this is like for for sure yeah it's kind of terrifying it's yeah um, it is it's also like what the fuck like I know. you also brought her in from like she was eating breakfast and like reading the paper outside like you like ushered her into the house to like, like if you uh, obviously this is like i was gonna say if you want it just do it if you want it like that just do it and i was like it's about so much more than oh the my towels God. it's about control and like of a of a human being it has nothing to do with like the fucking towels <laughs> no for but, sure yeah um, wild what's your next like it so my looks my um my next like a point is we sort of already touched on this earlier but just um the way that martin speaks and you know it, it's just like not only 
the way that he speaks, but also his like actual dialogue and his specifically and like in the beginning of this play or sorry, movie. Um, (laughs) Well, that's what it actually feels to me. Like in the beginning feels like a play because of how they speak to each other. He's like, oh, Laura, you don't want to provoke a quarrel, do you? And it's like nobody speaks like that in real life. It feels like some sort of like absurdist play we're watching play out in front of us um so yeah just like i both like it and hate it because he's a terrible person and the character is a monster but it's like kind of fun yeah no it's like there's a scene later on in it where we find out that like she's doing little things to try and like prepare for her escape like Mm -hmm. they live on the beach and she like purposely like knocks out a light um on the beach so that she, you know, when she fakes her own death and she leaps from the boat, when it's out on the water, um, she knows she's like almost like a compass to like guide her towards the house because she knows that they're going to be out there for hours and then they're gonna have to call in the Coast Guard or whatever and like try and find her. So she's got that's when she's going to make her escape from the house after this like uh, staged, um, you know, drowning that she sets up. But before that, in order to sort of like when he asked her if she wants to go out on Fleischman's boat, the man who he thinks that she had an affair with, but he's trying to get her to go out on this boat <laughs> to, I guess, throw his dick around and like I parade her in front of this person who he absolutely knows she didn't have an affair with. Um, <laughs> like he like she they're having a conversation outside um, eating on like their uh, I don't know balcony, if you call it that. Sure. Um, their outside area of their home. And she's sort of trying to like. She's she's just being a little bit more um, she's being a little bit more forward than she has been. And he says at one point, uh, and I think what it is more than anything is this is going to be her grand escape. And she wants to sort of like pick a fight with him, not because she doesn't actually want to go on the boat, but because she wants him to think that she doesn't want to go on the boat. Mm -hmm. And he says to her, if I didn't know better, I think you were provoking a quarrel. So you'd be unable to sail tonight. (laughs) Now, this is a useful discussion, but one best postponed until after our sale. And so it's like really, which is just code for I don't want to beat you right now because then you have bruises and flesh yeah. will like see what but a piece like, of shit I am. My whole point is like, who speaks like that? Like nobody. I mean, I, I'm sure people do. I'm sure people do. I know if people they do, do. They're the most pretentious motherfuckers. Oh, absolutely. On the <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. So yesterday, <laughs> I went to see life, someone um, spoke to you like that. I'd be like, what so I went to see a doing? musical last night with a friend of mine. Um, mm-hmm. We went to see Company. It was really mm-hmm. great. It was wonderful. And uh, but we were leaving, and this guy like stood up like in front of me. I'm like six two, six three when I'm lying, and this guy was probably <laughs> like six seven, six eight. Jesus and Christ! He was there with his dad. Uh, he was clearly probably maybe twenty years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and this woman was like talking to him. And at first, I thought she was like a friend or a person who had accompanied them. And then I realized she wasn't. And she was just talking to him about how tall he was. Oh and I could just overhear their conversation. Um, and I could sort of overhear their conversation a little bit, and um. I was just like, okay. She was talking about his height a lot. And she just kept saying, you're so tall. You're so tall. I thought you were seven feet tall. And I was like, oh, okay. And it's, you know, you're shuffling out of the theater. And we were close people to the front. So, so it was like obnoxious to tall people. Like It was so long. It was such a long time to walk together. And I'm just like, listen, she's a professor. I think she said she was a professor at uh, U of C, I think. Uh, and he's a student there, but they don't know each other. 
that's uh, a huge school. And but then like she was like, you know, she was like, you know, tall people are more successful. Like tall, tall men make more money than any other men. And like it's just this whole oh silly conversation. God. But she kind of had that quality in her voice. And like she was probably <laughs> in her mid 70s, I'd say. And mm-hmm. he's just like trying to get through it. But it was just her explaining to him how like l- life will be like easier for him because he's tall. And like, look, I don't know. I'm sure there is some psychology about that. People love I know with dating and stuff, like people love like tall people. You know what I mean? 100%. Like, hundred percent. I mean, out, but it was just well, funny. Particularly tall men. I mean, like that's the thing I always hear about from like straight men on dating apps. They're like, they lie, or I hear about how they lie about their height because girls often or women will often put like restrictions on their that Like, I don't want to see anybody under six feet, which is so wild. It's so crazy would, to like, me. Have those weird height restrictions. I don't get it. I think it's so weird. Like, who gives a shit? But I also think that like there is like a very heteronormative, like, you know um standard out there about like a man needs to be taller than a woman and like if anything else then like there's a lack of masculinity which is so wild oh, for sure for sure and i do i i do know that probably for like a woman who is because i know i know several women who lie about their height the opposite way mm. um i have a friend who is who is six feet tall and she says that she's like five eleven um and like so it's it's it, so it is interesting and i know that she only wants to date guys that are either her height or taller mm. um and i know that that stems from some sort of like insecurity of course about like yeah her own height um but i agree with you that it's like it is such a like weird and like perplexing yeah. like and thing to, where it's like and to be fair like you have to people have to navigate the world in whatever they have way they have to navigate it it's just not something that like it's not a thing that i have a insecurity about so i'm just like i i think is like i think being in same in same-sex relationships though obviously like plays a role and like 100 not us like being free from having to subscribe to like these mm-hmm. versions of like you know normalcy and like I, I know it's like it's it's ta- it's caught up in so like, much of like societal like yeah whatever like a woman feeling like she should be able to like rest her head on you know hug her you know her man and be able to mm-hmm. rest her head on his chest and like yeah nuzzle in like that like I want to feel tiny like yeah. I'm sure it's like all cut, tied up and like all of this like patriarchal like bullshit yeah but it is like interesting yeah mm-hmm. for sure um. If we have any, if we have any, you know, uh, different height relationships, uh, people listen to the podcast, we'd love for you to to chime in and let us know your your feelings on on the whole thing too. Always, yeah, always up for that. I um, mean, but, we'll support you no yeah. matter what your height difference. You have to do what you have to do. What works for you? You have to yeah. do what works for you. I don't know. Um, we just we just say shit. We're here <laughs> to have. We're just here to have a good time. <laughs> the thing, my next like it for this movie okay. is like. Yeah. There is like so I I like the, the last time I watched it I was just like I watched it earlier today and I was just like there is so little backstory given about like who these people are to each other yeah. and for some reason this time mm-hmm. watching it I was so hungry for it I was like what's going on mm-hmm. what's the tie in like and it's really funny because I noticed the most that we got is in the scene there's a scene after Laura like makes her escape and she's on this bus 
Mm-hmm. And this woman, um, this fucking scene. who's who I, I I coined her Chloris Bleachman because she's giving like <laughs> light Chloris leech, and um, I was like, she just looks like it's like they were on set and they were just like, is there anybody here who feels comfortable chewing an apple with their mouth open? And she was like, I'll do it again. Um, so she she won the part. Afternoon. Might as well do it on she's camera. Like, well, might as well do it and get paid a couple bucks. Um, but she's sitting across from Laura and she offers her an apple. And it's like, first of all, Laura's awoken by her like chewing cud. Like she's eating so loud. And she offers her this apple, Granny Smith's for the win, always. And um We love a Granny Smith, and they actually don't get enough love on film. They don't get enough love on or film or in real life. Or in life. Yeah. Or in life. Although mm-hmm. Dave, who's never like Granny Smith, has really been uh, sniffing <gasps> around uh Granny Smith lately. Um how do you know? like a granny smith it's tart like i love that tartness what did he say he didn't hate them he's just chimed in he said he didn't hate them they just weren't like his his bag like there were other apples he liked more Mm -hmm. but it's funny because growing up i hated every apple but granny smith and i think it's that thing with me and like sour stuff Mm. like i've just always been such a like i love a sour thing i love a sour moment and I forgot, I bought them for a recipe. I made this faro and it was really good. And it had uh, mm. green, Granny Smith apple in it. And then that was sort of what reignited my like, mm. my love for them. And they're just, they're so fucking good. Uh, but she gives so her good. a Granny Smith. And this is the most dialogue we get about like any sort of past between them. Mm-hmm. Because A, we're dealing with Julia Roberts, who at the time of filming would have been around 22 years old and mm-hmm. looks every day of it. Um, she's <laughs> literally like, you know, it just, it's giving groomer. Mm-hmm. Um not that all relationships that are like May December are that, but this one is definitely like giving that kind of vibe. And to be fair, it's not May December. It's like it's like May October. Um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like, it's very much he's an older man who's controlling her and abusing her in a multitude of ways. And she looks very young. And in some of the scenes early in the movie when she's like dressed up, she kind of looks even younger. Like she's playing dress up almost. Yeah. Like this big hair. She's got these clothes that are kind of wearing her. And like a lot of like her like accessories just don't it it just feels a little bit like disjointed. And I think that is a part of the fact that Julia Roberts was so young, but also a part of this story that isn't really mm-hmm. highlighted a lot um, in the movie. They've obviously aged her up. I think she's supposed to be like 28, 29 ish. Yeah, but she's um, not like she's just no, fully she's not, not and doesn't look it. And yeah. it's just really funny. They threw in a lot of these roles where she was a little bit young for, but it's Julia. And so she was box office gold. And they were like, well, exactly. We're we'll going to go see her do whatever she needs to do. And the thing is, is that she is such a good actor that it's like you don't necessarily feel like she can't take on the material. It's just like physically she just looks oh, younger. No, it's also like yeah. it's also like an allowance that we that we give to younger actresses that we don't give to older actresses. Where no, it's like, of course, not. We'll, we'll, we'll take a couple. We'll take a couple years off. Like they're not yeah. playing that game, especially no. not 1991. But Julia is in this scene and she's talking about like her life and she's sort of like doing like the the weakest possible job of like like masking her identity. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, this girl I knew, she married this man and he was great. And then, you know, after the honeymoon, he changed and he became, you know, abusive. And then, you know, Cloris is, you know, chomping on that apple the whole time. And then she's like, I just sounds like a brave girl to me. I, I just Stewart, can't I believe everybody in this movie is like Jim, giving Jimmy Stewart to you. Um, but it really, it surprised me when I first watched this movie that she was spilling all the tea to this woman on the bus. Cause I was just like, you just got out like 
like i mean again her journey is her journey not to you know uh, i'm not in any way victim blaming she probably felt like she wanted to unload on someone and let someone know what she's been through but at the same time i was like oh my god this woman is working for him like this is somehow going to come to bite her in the ass and it that would have been a juicier plot point yeah it would have been a juicier plot point didn't happen but i was very nervous when she was spilling all of her tea to this woman no, we left, we left, we left that to people that were much closer to her to drag yeah. her to hell and reveal all of her business and get her almost <laughs> killed. Um, no, this woman was just a stranger. I think it's that thing, you know, like sometimes you have like a coworker, like that you like who you don't actually like, like, I remember having coworkers who would tell me things about their lives. And I would think sometimes like, I can't believe you just told me that. But like, I know it was because I don't know any of the players. And so people yes, share 100%. with you shit at work sometimes that's like yes. wild. And like, yeah. you're like, oh my God. But also, you know, deep down inside, you're never going to like meet this person. Like, what would those circumstances mm-hmm. be? And then there comes that day where their sister's in town and she shows up <laughs> and you're at work and you're running in your head through all. Lisa you know Temecula. more <laughs> about her sister than her sister's husband knows about her. Like you were like sitting there. You're like, you know about childhood traumas mm-hmm. and wounds that mm-hmm. remain unhealed. Mm-hmm. You know about like that trip to, to Mexico to get that operation. You know, things that you should not know. And you're shaking this woman's hand and she maybe has heard your name once or twice. And you're just like, I know your social security number. Your sister told me every fucking thing about you. I mean, that's what's like so special about work friends. I do feel like there is an openness because they're usually, I mean, I would say like in this job that I have right now, which I've been at this company for a long time, I, my work friends have become my real friends. For sure. But prior to this job, there were people where it was like, I am just telling you everything about my life and you're telling me everything about your life. And like, we're not ever really going to merge lives in any real way. And so there is like that safe space where it's like, you are telling me things about, and it's also like, I remember particularly when I was younger and having work friends who were like in their forties and fifties. Oh, for sure. And like them spilling like family tea to me. And it's like, they live in like the suburbs. Like I live in the city. Like I'm never going to see these people. You're taking the Metro in and you know, to and from work. But like, I'm hearing about like how your brother-in-law is like cheating on his wife, you know, it's all this stuff. And I'm just like, can't get the popcorn out fast enough. I I remember a long time ago reading an article and it was a woman who was talking about like trying to navigate a relationship with a woman who she worked with, but like they didn't work. They were basically equals, but they worked for different parts of this company, but their Mm -hmm. like desks were right next to each other. And I think the woman may have been a little bit higher up than her, but she wasn't Mm -hmm. like her boss. Like they were in two completely different, you know, Mm -hmm. but she, you know, she was talking about the fact that they'd worked together for like years sitting next to each other. And she's like, we've shared like everything. Like she was the person who like told me when her dad died, when she got dealt with some like, you know, tough medical diagnoses, when she cheated on her Mm -hmm. boyfriend. Like I was the person who she felt comfortable telling because I don't, you know, we don't know each other in that way, but it ends up being this very like intimate relationship. Yeah. And she was talking about like being at like a company party and seeing her there. And she was talking to some like higher up people who were probably like above her, but like way above this woman. Mm -hmm. And she just walked over to say like, hello to her. And she's like, she was so cold to me. And when I turned to walk away, I heard her say, Oh, I don't know her. She's just some girl who works on the same floor as me. And she (gasps) talked about how hurt she felt in that moment because she was like, 
girl, we have literally like cried shared in like the everything. company bathroom and shared like so much about ourselves. And like in that moment, it was like it doesn't extend beyond like like our those two desk desks bubble. and when we're sitting at those two desks. And I thought like, yeah, that's what it feels like. It is like it is so disorienting. And then like mm-hmm. when you stumble into one of these people that are actually like these integral parts of their lives and you're like, oh, my God, you're the one who cheated on her. And I'm like sitting here like smiling at you. And I know so much about you. I know what color underwear you wear. Right. And I'm like, and we're having a conversation about the weather. And I'm just trying to <laughs> pretend to like be meeting you for the first time. Mm-hmm. Remind me of your name. Like it's not etched in my memory. Forever right. And like, and I always. haven't told my actual friends all the tea because my story is like, so that's, juicy. <laughs> that's the tea is that your friends of friends know this shit because when it's good, it's good. Absolutely. Um, and they're never going to meet them until that no. one time they do. Yeah. But it is fun because you get to play the role of dummy and just be like, what, what's your name again? Where are you from? <laughs> Girl. Ah, oh, God. So funny. Um, but no, but like, I feel you because it's like in a scene like this, it's like you're on this bus. You're probably in her mind. You're right. It's like, I'm just going to throw everything out there right now. Yeah. I'm never going to see this woman and her apples again. She gave me this Granny Smith. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm I got to give her like, the tea. <laughs> so I got to give her the tea. And uh, whether she wants it or not. And I bet like, especially Ooh. back in the day when like greyhounds were more of like a thing, you know, yeah. like I know they're still around, but when it was like more of an understood sort of like way to like travel. I mm-hmm. bet this kind of shit was so common because it's like not always, but a lot of times if you're on that Greyhound, you're trying to get out of town and you're trying to get out of town quick. <laughs> Anonymously. And <leave> much, <laughs> much of your past in the dust as you can. So you take, you take, you turn off Kelly Clarkson's breakaway for a second and you get out of that fantasy and you decide to just like turn to that person sitting next to you and be like, this happened. Um, yeah, and so Jane, do you have another like it to throw away? I do. Okay, so one of them like it is actually like my next like is just like a question. Um, did she like plan this escape with a guy who on the boat, Fleischman? Because there's no indication of it, but she's clearly been planning this for a long time. Like, did the opportunity just pop up, or like was there some like? behind the scene conversation that we don't it doesn't sound like it and i'm wondering like how could you how could you have planned this to happen like how you knew you were going to escape by water at some point but you did you put this into place or was this just an opportunity okay so that's a really good question i actually the only thing that make that gives me pause a little bit is that I don't know if I don't know if that would be the case because I think if it were I don't I don't know that I think that she, that Fleischman would have mentioned the fact that he saw her at the window. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And, and that is but maybe he was trying to create distance like, oh, I've seen your wife, but I've never talked to her. Like maybe you're right. You know, I, I don't know. And it's never like it's never revealed or anything like that. But like waiting for an opportunity like this to come along as opposed to creating it sounds kind of wild since she's like spent so much time preparing. You know what I mean? And like it seemed like she knew what the day was. You know what I mean? 
But you know what? Also, the one thing that I remember him saying to Fleischman when they were talking about going out on the boat during that scene, he says he he says I he says my wife's deathly afraid of the water, an accident from when she was a child. And then he throws in. But I try to get her to go out like once a year. So I wonder if it's like she's almost like banking on like on this once a year thing happening that again seems this year crazy though to be like it does maybe once a year he does this about once a year maybe he'll try it again this year instead of putting it into place because clearly yeah. she wanted to get out you know i would I mean? love that to be a plot point and for there to have Me been like too. a scene or something you know yeah so just, or, just honestly her even like going down and saying something to him beforehand and then like asking him not to mention it to her husband or something like just seeing that there's a guy moving in next door who's got a boat or like you know him coming home after the whole Fleischman coming home after the whole thing and his wife just being like how did it go did, did she get out did she get out you know what i mean like just yeah. like did like take the so, bait yeah exactly I like something that because- like that Dave made a comment that I actually think is true. He was like, I feel like they they fall short of giving her like the proper amount of agency and like yes. intelligence, like 100%. not intelligence, but like making her sort of like the architect of this. Like mm-hmm. there's like they do, but like they could push it a little bit further because yes. I agree with you. And I think this is what I meant kind of a little bit earlier when I said like how little backstory we have. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are certain things that like, obviously you're right, had to fall into place for this plan mm-hmm. to take off. Otherwise she's waiting on a potential because they, because you know, obviously the woman who calls her husband and makes uh, at the office who sort of gives her away and reveals that she's been taking like swim classes at the Y Mm -hmm. like obviously like she's been doing this for months it seems to develop that kind of a relationship with someone so it's like Mm -hmm. yeah like what was the opportunity she was expecting because obviously she's never going to say "Ooh, like we should go out on the water so like what did she like what was she waiting on? Like, oh, maybe, maybe this year he'll ask, maybe at one point this year, hopefully during like the season where it's okay to actually go out on the water, my husband will suggest us going out on the water. Right. That seems like leaving too much up to chance when she knows like she really wants to get out, you know? We get very little. We get like, we get her breaking that light. We get her breaking the light um, closest to like their area of the beach to create some sort of like guiding, um, some sort of like, guiding point we get the shots of her returning to the house after like faking her own death that's the only thing we get before the actual incident everything else we get after she escapes like oh or like while she's escaping like oh she has a go bag ready oh she has money ready flashback yeah they do a little flashback we don't get to see any of the prep and it seems like even if they were going to do like they want to just they want us to just see the scene of her like faking her own death. They want the audience to have the moment where like, oh, my God, did she drown or did she not? Then we're made aware of the fact that she's actually still alive. And then we're let in on the ruse. But like, I feel like you're right. I think that moment where they let us in on the ruse, they could have spent five more minutes showing us like a couple of things that she did to really architect this. Even if it's literally her going over to Fleischman and like giving him like a couple wads of money and being like, you know, we're going out on the water tonight, like that kind of a thing. Because mm-hmm. I actually think that you're onto something, Jane. I don't know if there were scenes that were cut or what. This movie comes in an hour and twenty four minutes, and I'm wondering yeah. if they were so like determined to to deliver a movie that was under ninety minutes that they cut some key scenes that could have aided well, in like 
Also, the thing that I'm curious about is like this movie is based on a book. So I wonder how it plays out in the book. Like if it's very explicitly clear that the book guy helped her or not. Ooh, that's a good that's a good thing. I didn't look it up because I'm just thinking about it right now. But nothing to look up, you know. That's also interesting because one of the things that was like sort of funny to me, and I may have mentioned this in my love it's, but whatever, I'll just not mention it there. But the thing that also was funny to me is that when he goes to talk to the, to the Fleischman dude about getting on the boat, the Fleischman guy says to him, the water's supposed to be great tonight. Like weather's supposed to be great. And it is quite literally the opposite. It's and literally like I, a tundra or like a, what do you call it? A, a it's tsunami. Torrential. Like yeah. it is so <laughs> dangerous. And it's like, several things are interesting one is interesting to me is that like martin seems like the type of person who would have looked up the weather conditions himself 100 but b that what she would have needed in order to pull this off was this type of disruptive weather yes like in order to pull off like because if the water's placid it's possible of course it's always possible that someone could fall off of a boat especially one this small but, but it's like, easier to find somebody when it's not like crazy. Oh, no, you're one hundred percent correct. Yeah, and so I think that like she almost needed these it disruptive to, like weather yeah. conditions. It had to be like, for lack of a better term, the perfect storm for mm-hmm. everything to like happen the way that it needed to happen. She needed like this guy to want to go on the boat. She needed him to think that the weather was going to be bad. She needed Martin to think it, and this guy is the person who convinces Martin that the weather's going to be good tonight. Yeah. And and it makes sense too because I've all I I feel like this actor doesn't have enough camera time. Like it almost feels mm-hmm. like he's an underbaked character and yeah. there's only a couple characters in the movie and I was thinking like he just comes in for one of the most pivotal scenes in the movie and we don't hear <laughs> anything like, else about him. I'm out. And yeah, I, there had to have been more. Thinking, I yeah. bet there was some stuff that was cut because mm-hmm. that makes total sense. Why would this also I kept thinking why is this guy who like owns a boat and knows the water why did he know that the weather was going to be this bad? It's not like a little spotty rain. It's like really, really intense <laughs> it's like, downpour. It's like, it's like Hurricane Bob, which it's like, my, how did my you, East Coast 90 babies will understand that. The Hurricane Bob was like an epic hurricane in the 90s. <laughs> hurricane Bobby. How did you miss it? It's like, it's so confusing. And your plan actually makes more sense. Although also that makes like, that also helps because it makes it, it makes her situation all the more dire. And the Mm -hmm. fact that like, she's afraid of the water. Not only is she going to fake her own death by jumping into the water, but she's willing to jump into the water and fake her own death and potentially actually die by jumping Mm -hmm. into the water when it's like, when the downpour is like this, which is a completely different thing. Like the waves are so disruptive and like, it is so choppy. So like, not only is this person who's scared of drowning, She's taught herself to swim at the YMCA and she's willing to face the elements in order to get out of this marriage and either either get free or die trying. Mm-hmm. So I think that like all of these things sort of like rounded out and a little bit more conversation, even if it's like her and the boat guy and him being like, are you sure you want to do this? Like the water's going to be really disruptive yeah, tonight. So and her being ways, like, there's so many ways she could have been more responsible for and her, her being like, it has exit. to be. This yeah. is the only way I'll get free. Exactly. Like, the choppier, the fucking 100%. better. Yeah. She just looks him in the face and says it. Like, I think that would have actually been dope to see her, like, yeah. be like, I'm taking on the elements. I, you know, him being like, there's going to be a hurricane tonight. And she was like, nothing can be worse than the tsunami I've lived through the last It's years. like, 
it's like the difference between the fact that like enough starring Jennifer Lopez was made in the 2000s and this was made in 1991. Obviously different stories, but similar, com- you know, similar situations. And the fact that like Jennifer Lopez, that character is absolutely the architect of like every yeah. like plan that she makes where it's like this movie made in the 90s about a similar situation is like we kind of don't really understand the full breadth of what she did to get where she needed to go and it yeah. doesn't give her the credit for it and she deserves it you know and it's a huge part of the plot too it's a movie yes. about <laughs> this is like the we should focus more on the escape it's actually right. also one of the more interesting elements i feel yes. like they were like in like 1991 i feel like they were really trying to keep her as like soft as i could like as right. a character and like so they like spend a lot of time like almost like with her sort of like being this passive person who's just watching life happen to her. And they do have moments where clearly she is a woman of agency, but like, I think that we we've made the point. They could have leaned into that a little bit more. That was a really yeah, interesting question, Jane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you have I another like a point? Um, no, I, yeah, I do. Um, okay. one thing I was going to say, <laughs> this is just funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I'm not gonna say it. Um, but this okay. So I'll go to the next one. Okay. One thing that I just noticed in this movie that is so funny to me is that I love how like in the '90s, like silk sheets were like the sign of opulence, and like oh, I feel like do you mean like just, satin sheets? Was that what they had? Were they satin I, sheets? Like shiny satin, satin like sheets. shiny yeah. satin sheets. I just feel yeah. like this was like all of the '90s. This was literally mm-hmm. like a signal to like a lot like living in like a life of luxury and like pampering absolutely i've only slept on like satin sheets like once before and it it was fine i I don't love it i don't know if i have or have not but i can guarantee that if i have slept on satin sheets it was not actual satin it was probably some sort of blend and like a shiny like sheer moment but it's like or not sheer but like a shiny topped moment made out of like polyester i don't know but yeah i don't get it to me it seems impractical um but i also feel like they must snag so easily 100 percent. and it's like they like i feel like they would sag they might stain easily like if you get any like i feel like water one rogue, on there it would like one rogue toenail spread. just a little too sharp Ew, and please don't please don't talk about sharp toenails for those uh for those sheets um horrifying but that was a simple one for me it was like it just it's so funny because to me it just trashes things up so yeah. seeing them like in this bed it's like oh we're supposed to like they're wealthy they're wealthy and it's 1991 and they've and got these sheets it. you couldn't even fucking dream of and it's like <laughs> i'm good like i feel like any i feel like also like any like hair oil that i put in my hair would just like stain the shit 100%. out of those pillowcases yeah Absolutely. it wouldn't be the fantasy yeah. and they're like silver too it's just like yeah ugh. no it's one um, of those lies they told us it truly is and we have spent our entire adulthood sort of shaking those um those untruths we've been told the other um, one and i do still want to i just want to say i do still want to find a person who has a waterbed because i haven't been in one since i was a child oh but yeah i would love to get one more shot at just rolling around in a waterbed again not i don't Girl. think i could sleep in one but my uncle used to have one when i was a kid and i loved going to his house and just like getting in their bed and rolling around in it because i was like this is does it get more opulent um my friend it does. my friend 
my friend Lindsay in high school, her parents had a waterbed and it was a king size waterbed. And the Ooh. thing about their waterbed, okay, so they're both pretty short. And so mm-hmm. they turned their king size waterbed to the side so it was even wider. Oh so, my God. Yeah. So like we, I don't like maybe her, her parents were out of town or something like that. And her sister was watching. I can't remember like what the setup was, but like oftentimes like we would like sleep in her parents' waterbed, like when it. they weren't home. And it was like, this is and I'm not exaggerating, the absolute lap of luxury. <laughs> I, that is so funny. I remember being in my uncle's waterbed and I remember what eating, like they used to, it was a like tricks style gogurt. Like it was like a <laughs> trick style, like gogurt yogurt. Mm-hmm, and I remember mm-hmm. eating trick style gogurt yogurt with my cousin and watching the Richard Bay show, which was <laughs> the Richard Bay show was this ridiculous, like daytime talk show. Um, a la like like a lighter version of like a Jerry Springer. Um, not it being it came out like 92, okay, 92 to like 96. Not it being categorized on Google, never, Google as action, by the way. I have never heard of Richard Bay in my entire life. Oh, it's and Bay is spelled B-E-Y. Yeah, and it was <laughs> an unhinged talk show, and he was over the top and it was like a predecessor to like the Jerry Springer show. Well, no, Jerry Springer came out around the same time, actually. Um, but it was like a syndicated American talk show. And he used to have insane guests and insane storylines. Well, the 90s um, was like peak talk oh, show God. insanity. We, there were so many to keep up like keep up with. But I but never I heard remember, of Richard yeah. Bay. That was, that was a new one to it. me. It was <laughs> flash in the pan. It was here for three seasons. Um, shout out Richard Bay if you're listening. But yeah, so that was the last thing I was going to say. What were you going to say, Jane? Okay, so I feel like we are spending so much time. We haven't even moved to our Lovitz yet. So I'm just going to say, like, my last like a point is I I like how um, she cuts her hair um, while she's, like, she's escaping. She's, like, swam up. She's, like, grabbing her go bag. And she cuts her hair just to put on a wig. And <laughs> girl, why? just put on the wig like time is of the essence you cut it like maybe two and a half three inches like it's not a huge chop you're not giving yourself a buzz cut so you're unrecognizable you're literally giving yourself like a trim and then putting on like a a black bob wig i was like why is she doing that You've ushered me right into my love it's anyway. So okay, this is perfect. one of my one of my love it points. So here we're moving to the love it's now. Okay. So like I this was something that stood out to me so much as well. I was like, <laughs> I don't understand. For, first of all, they give her so it's funny because in the beginning of this movie and I, I said it in my synopsis, Julia Roberts has more hair than any humans ever had. I noted in it's my synopsis. It's awful. so much hair. It's yeah. so it is so thick and it is so long and it's just like it's a lot it's just a lot to maintain but it but it mm-hmm. also like very much fits in line with a piece of shit man like this that yes. like would want like you can read studies and stuff it's not always the case everything's always you know everything's subject to like people that are you know outliers but by and large a lot of like men love their love women to have long hair it's just like a thing it's been a thing for like hundreds of years um not every it's man a- but it's like 
this well, idea. Also, like of I was thinking what, like a control tactic too. You oh, know what I sure. mean? Like don't cut your hair when I'm with me, which like, I totally love that she cuts it a little bit shorter and is like, you know, if that is the case, but it's like, you could have absolutely waited until you like were out of the woods. <laughs> it's like, it, the thing is that it's, first of all, you're right. It's like a negligible, a negligible amount. And secondly, mm-hmm. cutting hair is just always fucking messy. Yeah. And like, why risk it? Like, why risk potentially? <laughs> like, because you're they're always. I actually thought that was going to be the way he found out originally was that he was going to see like a couple of strands of red hair that are like four inches long on the floor mm-hmm. and be like, clearly this hair was cut. Like, when the fuck did she do this? Right. Like, like it was so risky to do it when she did it, especially like any of the stuff, any of that like bathroom stuff, because it was like, he's such a, like, he's such a meticulous and anal retentive person yes. that it's like, well, I wouldn't I knew- have risked doing and any I- of that. And I knew we were done for when she threw her wedding ring down the toilet and tried to flush it. And I just thought, A, that's either not going to flush or B, it's going to come back up and C, your wad of money that you're bringing with you didn't seem like enough to me. So why don't you bring Pocket. that ring and pawn it? <laughs> and again, like I want to I want to reiterate, this is absolutely like not a victim blaming thing. Like you need to do whatever you need to do to get out of the situation. This is us analyzing a story about this movie, of course. Like Our, do we're doing dog, to do. dog detective work. And yes. I think mm-hmm. what I didn't understand was oh, why she didn't wrap the, the ring in like a wad of toilet paper. And, like, Mm. that would have, like, ensured that it, like, went down the toilet. Like, Mm -hmm. it was just, like, a wild decision to be, like, maybe he'll find it. It felt almost, like, I know it wasn't, but it felt almost, like, catch me if you can. Um, Because it was, like, what are you doing? You're, like, making mistakes you don't need to make. Like, you could could literally dispose of this ring anywhere else in the whole world. And it would be a better choice Mm -hmm. than in Martin Bernie's toilet. Um, (laughs) Because nobody's going to see you on the Greyhound and see your wedding ring and be like, oh. That's Martin's girl. <laughs> that's that's Martin's baby doll. Like, especially because it's actually like it's a really simple ring for like how much like you know wealth and opulence these people have. It's a band that's got like diamonds in the band, but like it's yeah. nothing crazy. So I was just like, man, this is a this is a choice. Like I get it, but chopping mm-hmm. this, doing the big chop here, um, when you could just stuff that hair under this under this ridiculous wig that you're wearing that's just plopped yep. on top of your head and giving Dora the Explorer. Like, just like, just rock the wig, stuff those, those beautiful locks under it. And when you get to like a safe place, either go find someone to do a cute haircut or do your own thing at your, your new like residence. But like, it don't have to happen now. Like, and as you said, you didn't cut off enough for it to make a difference anyway. It almost feels like they were going to go with like a bigger chop. And the director was like, no, 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 no. Feminine, feminine, feminine. She needs more hair. Um... But yeah, this was definitely like one of my first notes because I was just like, we're doing too much and not enough. Um, And not enough. Um, Okay. So that was your first love it point as well. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to, I'll do my first love it point then. Um, So the night before, sorry, the moment before they get on the boat with Fleischman before she escapes, she's like looking at this, like, sculpture that you know he they clearly like she's just sitting there looking at it and martin comes in in their home and martin comes up behind her and he goes thinking of our honeymoon the night i gave you that the night i taught you to dance and then this (laughs) this, (laughs) this concludes several times he says it 
again when he finds her at the end of the movie after she's escaped and he reminds her again that he taught her to dance and i just like why it's like the funniest plot point to add in and i don't understand why he's so obsessed with the fact that he taught her to dance and also after he says it they do like a couple of like sways in the kitchen and i'm like i think she this probably knew how to do this before encountering you because this isn't giving like fancy footwork <laughs> why are you so obsessed with the fact that you taught her to dance <laughs> the thing is if it's gonna be like in the script then like <laughs> give us a one-two step like and i want to see you and i want you to eat it if like if you're doing it i want you to serve us an eight count exactly it's not you just it's not you just swaying from side to side twice it's like then you've got too much energy exactly for for it and the delusion is is diluting because (laughs) you are out of control if you think that this is you're you're not giving barishnikov no and like for you to keep bringing it up like this is your crowning achievement (laughs) literally trying to convince us that you are like the architect of rhythm like Remember the time I, I taught you? Remember when I taught you how to count on, on beat? It's just like, it's like, how dare I you? I could have been like, okay, if he said it once, but it's like, he brings it up again later. He's like obsessed with it. It's He's so like, weird. remember, don't. Don't you dare act like I didn't rescue you from that town from Footloose and bring your ass to the cave. And allow you. To the you mansion of your dreams to allow you to two-step all fucking over this place. <laughs> but not too close to that window, though, because I don't want Fleischman seeing you doing your Sierra one two-step and then getting any ideas. Um, These goodies that are is mine. hilarious. Yeah. Those are my goodies. My goodies. Um, very that. Uh, <laughs> but the next one that I actually had <laughs> that I actually had in my notes was we've already kind of talked about it, but mm-hmm. I just I love the fact that like the I we've already belabored this point, so I'll move mm-hmm. on quickly. I just okay. love the fact that like the water was the opposite of okay. Like <laughs> I love that, like, not only was it not a peaceful night, but it was one of the most destructive and disruptive on record for Cape Cod. (laughs) Like, it's so funny to me that it was just, it couldn't have been less what you said it was going to be. It wasn't like, ooh, we hit like a, (laughs) ooh, we hit like a rough patch. It was like, we all almost lost our lives tonight. It's like people are like, with their homes on the beach, like boarding up their windows. And you're like... (laughs) taking out like the boat for a nice sail and it's like y'all need to be indoors and like possibly underground if possible <laughs> like do you have a basement okay because you thought you were going to live some Jacques Cousteau fantasy <laughs> and you almost didn't live didn't live to tell the story exactly like, like I can't imagine a worse night to go out on the beach with your wife who's scared of the water than like <laughs> the night that you pick and Truly. it just I it's so fucking funny to me um, what's your next love it, Jade? Okay, my next love it is that she moves to Iowa, the small town in Iowa, which couldn't be more idyllic. And she rents an entire Victorian house for seven hundred dollars a month. Now you might think, hey Jane, that's $19.91. Obviously, if she were to rent the house today, it would be much more expensive. Well let me tell you, I put that into an inflation calendar because I'm fucking furious. Still, renting that entire house in today's money with the inflation calendar would be $1,581. 
$1,500 can't get you a decent one-bedroom apartment in any major city. No. No, she's in Cedar Falls, Iowa. It is no, it it is not. And like everything's gotten so things have gotten so fucking like unhinged. Infuriates me because I'm like I would love. I I could rent an entire Victorian house for fifteen hundred dollars. I would be fucking gagged and gooped. I mean, I wouldn't want to live in Cedar Falls, Iowa, or wherever the fuck it was. But we love y'all, Cedar Falls. Yeah, no, shout out to you guys, and I'm sure the town is super interesting. But um. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, we uh we can't help but comment on the fact that like it is like everything's gotten so out of control and Truly. like especially like the the renters market and so it's like that's what it should be. Like if we're mm-hmm. talking about like inflation, like that's inflation. how it should be inflating, but things have gotten so crazy and so disproportionate that, that house it, like it would be like seven grand a month probably it'd be a crazy amount of money and the fact Mm -hmm. that she like slips into this little deal and they're just like we just need seven honey and (laughs) i'm just like wait a land hundos off of her you know stack that she took she balls them up and she throws them at the woman yeah she she says says, this is nothing to me (laughs) she's like yeah she you should be able to buy a couple oxen with this (laughs) and she kicks her out of her house is wild that scene was one of the greatest ones in the movie i was like it's like no more night, no more little Miss Nice Laura. She's like, fuck <laughs> it. I'm I'm the president of Cedar Falls now, bitches. I got the money. Call me Scrooge McDuck. Do you see what I just did? What I just pulled off? I will fucking look at what you made me do. Own um, this town. That's sort of a revision of what actually happened. But, but it was in her eyes. And we yeah. all know that mm-hmm. Julia had that energy. Um, mm-hmm. I did also see that where they filmed this this uh, this uh, movie at, apparently <laughs> Julia Roberts was talking shit in an interview about the town. She said it was like one of the most racist places she'd ever been. And they were like, <laughs> irate. And it's like, why? Because she probably told the truth. Yeah, um, why? Because she literally said the quiet part out loud. Because <laughs> she, she told the truth and shamed the devil. Exactly. Y'all are like, how dare you? How <laughs> dare you? That was our little secret. Yeah. Um, we like for the people of color to get here and just be shook. Exactly. Um, Make them feel yeah, so instantly like, unsafe. Go the fuck off. Yeah. Um, all but right. Yeah. What is your next love at point? So my next love at point is so when they're having this conversation at home, the conversation that leads to like where she's trying to sort of create the fight at the house oh, with Martin. But, okay. Mm-hmm. And then she says, and she's she's starting this sort of fight, and he says the thing about, oh, you want to quarrel. Um she brings up the fact that Martin brings up the fact that she like he he refers to it as disappearing for several days. He's like like that time you ran off and disappeared for several days, and we f- we find out later this isn't true. But at this point in the movie, we are to believe that it is. And she says she was like Martin. I went to my mother's funeral, <laughs> and we find out later that her mother's alive. And what she was actually doing was getting her mother put into like an assisted living facility. Um, her mother is blind and elderly and she was trying to sort of like set up provisions for her near the town in Iowa that she ultimately ended up living at. Once again, a testament to what Jane was saying about like preparations being made. Like, so this is a town that she's already researched. She's already found a place to put her mother. She has purposely kept Martin in the dark about it. And she's been making moves to set up her escape for a long, like for long enough that like, it's funny given the fact that they've been married for three years because it's like, mm-hmm. when did you do this? Like a year ago? Like you've been trying to get out of this thing since you've been in it basically. Yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, but it's just like funny to me that like he's having this conversation and it, it makes sense for an abuser to be like, as we've already seen, he'd love to inflate. But mm-hmm. we but he is like inflating the story. He starts by telling us about her absconding um, unbeknownst to him. And she's like, not me burying my mother and you calling it and you're calling me uh, me running away for two days <laughs> when it was just me in the emotional ringer uh, right. trying to. And Dealing apparently the you my mother and apparently you didn't feel the need to accompany me. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I had to bury my mom. But it was just wild when he tells this story. And I'm like, not you literally, like, reducing, like, the death of her mother to, like, her just, like, going gallivanting going on town. a jaunt. Yeah, exactly. So wild. Um. So my next love point is, um, I sarcastically love this, but Ben, the new guy in town who she meets um, when she moves to Cedar Falls and falls in love, the drama teacher. Um, at first he actually throughout the whole thing, he's so fucking useless. He doesn't realize how creepy he comes off. He doesn't like see her reaction to some of the things that he does and like correct, like overcorrect. Like he like often like pops up from the shadows or like just shows up at her house or like when she's like, you know, um, walking down the street, you know, walking, he'll like pop up behind her and like startle her. And like without like, he clearly knows something is going on with her because she's not telling him anything about herself. And he can't intuit that like, he should maybe be like a safer person to her. (laughs) He just like keeps doing these like creepy pop-ins. And it's like, Ben, like, can you like read the fucking room? Men are so useless. It's like he keeps like he he'll pop up or like he shows up and she's one of those like old timey like wooden frame doors with like the the one single like glass panel in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then like it's got like this like um this kind of like built in like ruche curtain that's like sheer ish that's mm-hmm. attached to the front of it. And he like knocks on it like abruptly at like the in like the middle of the night and like she's startled thinking you know she can just see the silhouette of a man living by herself like it just like and he gives her like this quizzical look when she's like she jumps and he's like he's like oh he's like i scared you and it's like yeah always like that was terrifying i don't know what you're doing here i just walked in the door i don't even have the lights turned on yet um so it's just like this crazy moment. And then also there's a moment where she sort of starts to let her guards down with him. They come back to the house. Things are getting a little hot and heavy on the stairs. They're like making out. And then she sort of stops it. And she says like, you know, no, like I want to stop. And she has to say it like four times. And then he like gives her this look kind of like, I can't figure you out. It's like, you just met me. Like, you don't need to figure me out. You need to slowly get to know me. I kissed you. It was cute. I didn't want to go any further. I declared that more times than I should have had to. And like, you're like, what, 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 what is it? So, th- so this is one of my low, the points, actually that exact scene where like, they like have this nice time on a date and then they start to make out on the stairs of her house. And she says, stop. Like she has to start screaming. Stop to him. She's at first. She's like, uh, no, no, no. Like, please stop. And then he like, doesn't stop. And she has to be like, stop it. Like she's to freak out on him, and you're like, oh my god! Like the one should be enough. Like how are you not listening to the person you're with? And then what he does is like not in that moment comfort her to be like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Like what do you need? He go. He looks at her, shakes his head, and goes, "What did that man do to you?" And it's like, you are 
maybe just as big of a monster. <laughs> the thing is, it's like, I can't imagine things getting hot and heavy with anyone and them saying stop more than one time. Of and course. me not immediately like retreating to be like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. I can't imagine like somebody saying stop to me multiple times My and God. me like, attempting to like push through like it is fucking crazy like i can't imagine being like the concept i heard the stop and i know what fucking stop means i I know what no means i'm gonna okay she's screaming it a little bit louder but i'm gonna keep like like what are you fucking thinking push through and see if she calms down what is that like Like, in people's like fucking heads yeah, like you're, it's you're I mean, you're a bad person. Crazy. Like, yeah. you would probably just, I mean, honestly, like, if you just, if if I heard like a weird, like, exhale or inhale, I'm going to be like, what? You okay? You okay? So, you like, okay? I mean, you like, okay? I can't imagine somebody literally being like, oh, no. Yeah. Not anymore. I don't feel comfortable. Can we stop? <laughs> and me continuing to be like, almost there. No. <laughs> Let me just finish no. up real quick. It's I mean, and to be done. fair, there are a lot of men who do that and they're, fucking horrible and like oh for sure it's a, it's just surprising to see and try to put yourself in the shoes of someone who is in that situation and think yeah yeah i'd keep going like no no, no. like first of all who want uh and this is like this seems very common sense but also this is like a different thing it's like who wants to continue to like hook up with somebody who wants them to stop like i'd be like that that takes me out of it too. <laughs> like, but also, I understand. like you're like looking to like build. Not that it matters, but like you're you're next door neighbors with this woman. You're clearly like courting her. You're looking to like yeah. build a relationship with her potentially. Uh, you've run through everybody else in town, and it's it's just clear that it's like if this is how you think you go about it, then like you got another thing coming because she's been a very guarded and quiet person who's been very like self-contained and like mm-hmm. you don't know a lot about her. So it's just like really like it's a it's a really inappropriate swing. And like for you to make it about whatever past trauma that she's gone through to take the onus off of yourself, because all it's about honest and truly in this moment is that you were engaging in a sexual act and she was and she reached the point where she no longer wanted to. And she asked you to stop four times and you finally right. did our our quote-unquote good guy so like yeah. it isn't about what else she's been through it's about what's going on right now that is a conversation 100%. that maybe could be had at a later time where you could ask her those kinds of questions if she's in the mood to share but like you making the decision that your shitty behavior and like if it wasn't for what she went through then she'd be having sex with you right now is like really like right. short-sighted and like also like diminishes her agency yes in that 100%. Moment. so like yeah. all of those reasons why that's just like a really gross moment and it's like yeah, I mean, she shouldn't I, have to feel shitty about herself for making a decision to set a boundary with you, and that's essentially 100%. what's happening. And I think that you know, it's like all it, it just. <laughs> I know Ben is supposed to be the good guy in this movie, but in my eyes, he is complete garbage, just as much as Martin is. Yeah, God, he's just no. like he's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, so upsetting. Um. So, do you have any my, more love it? I do. So my next love it is that so Martin basically through a series of sort of like getting bits and pieces of information. He tries to hire a detective agency that doesn't work. He basically with the ring in the toilet, he's like, okay, with the um, 
he gets a call from her nosy ass former friend who hears in the paper that she died in the drowning accident, calls him, gives him all this sh- business he doesn't need. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She used to take swimming class at the Y. Him, he's like, no, that's not my wife. Everybody so, no, exposing her every, ass. every week. No, she played gymnastics, right? That's why she always had the bruises on her body. And then he's like, that's my wife. And it's like, for you, for that to be the reason that you know that's your wife, I, I think is hilarious because it's like, <laughs> oh, my God, those bruises from when I beat her. Yeah, that's mine. <laughs> Um, yeah, like, hilarious is a word choice for that. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like, it, to me, it was so ridiculous it's, and it was hilarious. Because yes, it's like, that's the reason that he knows it's her is because when she mentions the bruises, he's like, that's my handiwork. My wife. <laughs> um, I, I beat my, I'm a wife beater. I did it. Um, but like, this is what sets him on his search to like track her down. Um, imagine somebody literally faking their own death to get away from you. Uh, like, and like, you being like, we're not not. Done. Inspire again. I tried to do that with people from the characters in this movie, but it would not inspire me to go after the person who faked their own death. No, imagine somebody faking their phone number to get away from you. It's like I'd crawl under the desk. Um, (laughs) if I he's like someone lied to me about like canceling plans and went and did something else, I would never, I would just feel so much shame and never contact the person again. Then Let we should alone, probably talk like, really quick. Um oh. about a couple times. Uh mm. I love being around insufferable people, of course. Mm. Uh, but every now and mm. then it just Yeah. I don't know. I've lied to you about some stuff. Plans, oh. places that I was. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I mean, I definitely again. have photographs of you out partying with other people. Um, you know how I do. In these streets. When you were supposed to uh, spend time with me, and um, you know, can we talk about this off? Um, yeah, off air? I think we should. I think we should. Okay, we should. so we'll we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll okay, mm-hmm. we'll shell that. Uh, mm-hmm. Back to the movie, and I am mm. sorry, Jane, uh, but it's just it's well, you. Um, we'll go through it. <laughs> but um, no, I was gonna say. So there's a scene in this movie. Martin's tracking her down. He's trying to find her. He finds out that she's basically been like hooking up with this guy who is a teacher at the local schools which ben is a theater teacher Mm -hmm. he finds out he finds this guy who's a theater teacher he climbs in the back of the guy's car the guy is getting his car to go home and martin pops out and puts a gun to his head and he's like you've been (laughs) fucking my wife it is not ben it is another person who just happens to teach theater at the school so like Mm -hmm. just making big moves um (laughs) and the guy and the only way the guy gets away is because he tells martin that he's gay Mm-hmm. And then Martin just like hits him with the butt of the gun. Is like, don't you tell anybody I was here. Um, <laughs> but it was just such a like weird, random, unhinged scene. It was like, yep. do a little bit more recon. Like you, yeah. all you, all you would need to do is ask one of these students. Well, like, like, why uh, are we keeping this scene in, but not keeping a scene in about how she fucking set up the boat trip? You know what I mean? Like that seemed like an unnecessary scene to me. Like, well, so we already know that Martin is dangerous and unhinged, so we don't need to see right. him committing a hate crime to like for exactly. that picture to come fully into focus. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would learn. I would have loved to learn more about her escape as opposed to yeah. like watching this guy get that get that treatment. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. So that was just a funny a little like moment for me. What's your next love it, Jane? Um, my next love it is um the gender fuckery of Julia Roberts' disguise when she goes to visit her mother. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah, baby. One of the um benefits of fucking up with the local um college theater professor is that he's got access to all kinds of costumes. And so to visit her mother without, you know, 
anybody knowing that it's her visiting her mother in this nursing home, he dresses her up as like a dude and she has like a mustache and a short hair wig and a baseball cap and everything. And I was like, okay, drag king. <laughs> you just, you, I love to see it. It was good. And it was a theater mm-hmm. teacher who knew how to tastefully apply a little bit of like, you know, spirit gum <laughs> to her face to get that, to get that mustache. That's to, actually, uh, and then also there was like, there was some stippling on her face to create sort of a five o'clock shadow around, you know, where the hair would start to grow. <laughs> and I was like, file okay, under, that was a little much. <laughs> file under traumatic things from high school theater. <laughs> I dealt with all sorts of bullshit. One of the most fucked up things was that they didn't know what to do about, like they didn't have the proper hair. I needed a mm. beard for a play. So my theater teacher put spirit gum all over my face and then cut a rug, like a, like a black, like a bathroom rug, like a black bathroom rug and just stuck it all over my face. It like fucked up my skin and it was awful. And I just oh like let him God. do that multiple times. And my skin was just like screaming well, and I was developing. You were kid. I didn't know what I was doing. And I think back on shit like that and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why was that okay? Because you didn't have Ugh. like hair, like like coarser, like black hair. Yeah. Just like fucking crazy. Like, uh, and I didn't have like spirit it. gum like- remover. And nobody like told me how to get it off. So I was just left to my own devices as like a oh. child trying to get this shit off my face. And it like actually is like triggering for me. And then That's like horrible. going to like school and having to wear like fake beard beards and use like spirit gum. And the person who did like hair and makeup is just like, oh my God, like what? No, we would never do that to you. I'm like, You're, y'all are cutting up rugs, are you? And they're like, what? <laughs> no, we would never do that. I was like, oh my God, like who did that? I was explaining. They're like, that is absolutely like insane should never happen so anyway uh julia julia looks amazing she's giving us a little bit of like young young gent fantasy she's got her baseball Mm. cap on and like another one of her little short tightly coiffed wigs Mm -hmm. and um almost has a little run-in with martin at the hospital because she's here to see her mom in disguise he's here to see his his dear beloved mother-in-law that he thought was dead and he's doing cross pads Mm -hmm. at a a water fountain and uh Mm. she just barely misses him and uh it's a yeah. really, it's a really pulpy moment. Mm-hmm. We love it. Um, yeah. So that was really fab. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you have any and so, more like a point? Yeah. And so um, that's basically it. The last like a point that I will have is that when we were watching the movie, there's a scene where she's living on her own. And we mentioned earlier, there's a scene with the towel rack at our house. All the towels always have, the three towels always have to be symmetrically like in alignment. And she's at her um, house. This is uh, my final love it. She's at her house and, um, and she's her new house that she's living in in Iowa. And she gets out of the shower and the towels are like not even. And she has like this sort of like, you know, PTSD moment where like she goes mm-hmm. to straighten them and then she realizes she doesn't have to. And then she sort of like, just like dishevels the towels. And then Dave goes, yeah, muss it up, muss it up. And so that became <laughs> our word for like, then there's a scene of her in the kitchen, like moving all of the cans of putting the cans of food away. And she does the same thing. And then we just start saying, muss it up, muss it up. <laughs> Every time that she would like make a decision to like, let something be a little bit disorganized. And it was just funny. That's hilarious. That re- that reminds me of when we were I was watching the movie with Tara and <laughs> she couldn't remember Ben's name. So she kept calling him Randy McMullet. 
Oh, I mean so that that was what we were going about. The movie. Ben Ben had that mullet. And honestly, mm-hmm. there was a scene where Ben was wearing they go to like the county fair or some shit. And Ben's mm-hmm. wearing this like like olive green, like mm. almost like a I don't even know, like a I don't know what the material would have been. It was like a like a linen almost, but it was in these mm. tucked into like these like cream jeans, I think. And I was like, this whole look is in. I was like, this whole look is in style right now. Like the mm. mullet is back. Yes. This flowy top with these like boot cut mm-hmm. jeans. It's all the rage. It was just this funny thinking about how cyclical fashion mm-hmm. is. And also some of her like uh sunflower dresses are like right back. Oh, yeah. Right back. 100 percent Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> They're not called sunflower dresses, are they? You you just mean sundresses. I just mean sundresses. <laughs> I had the flower on. Um, so like, yes, nice. thank you. Um, that was it for me. Um, did you have any more lovets, Jane? No more lovets. I'm ready to move on to lovets. Whenever I'm you ready are. too. We're gonna go. Good. Is it me? Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um. My first loathit, we've gone over some of my loathits, so we'll just go, I'll, I'll skip ahead. But um, as we mentioned before, Julie Roberts is 22 in this movie. And the woman playing her mother is cast way too fucking old. She's like a hundred. And it's like, looking at this, she would have had to have Julie Roberts when she was like in her 60s, truly, to make this make sense age-wise. And it's just classic Hollywood shit. It's like a woman over 30 is a grandmother no matter what. Like, and she could be 90. You know what I mean? It's like, why couldn't this have been Julia Roberts' grandmother if they really wanted to use this character? That's the thing. Honestly, I think this actress was born in like 1920. So she would have been like (laughs) 70. Um, But also like they've they've also like even aged her up from that like they found ways to make her even look older than like 70 really mm-hmm. and so it is true because they've like made her so defenseless and feeble in this movie <laughs> that you are right it's like you have this like young like <laughs> vibrant daughter and it's like just make her the grandmother you want a person make who's older and defenseless clearly mm-hmm. so just make her the grandma like why did you like age her up to to such a degree that like it doesn't make sense, like story-wise. Like she would have had to be well beyond menopause by the time Julia was born. Like it, it can't work. It can't work. <laughs> so that was my first love point. That's a good one. No, it's just like she's like as a character. It's also like they didn't they like didn't want to invest in her development. So she's just like no. an older woman who talks too much and like almost gets her daughter killed. <laughs> That's literally it. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, but I did look mm-hmm. it up cause I was like, how old is she? And that's the only reason why I know. And, you know, as we said, she passed away in 2000. So mm. rest in peace go. queen, as yeah. we hope you've been doing for the last 23 years. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah. Okay. We've already talked about some of my low that's because uh, my first low that was the rent that she has to pay. I'm happy for yeah. her, but <laughs> I am not, not happy, not happy that this us. was the thing. Um, yeah. no. And then we talked about all of the disguises because some of them were just <laughs> so wackadoo. Um, my, okay. So I only have a couple left. My, my first okay. one I'll start with is like the fact that like this like nursing home facility that her mother is staying at is like, it is simultaneously like 
very like strict about who gets in and anybody who walks in off the street can get in. <laughs> like it's <laughs> trying to present itself as like this nursing home that's got these like strict policies. But like all Martin has to do is like make up the the lightest of lies. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, here's access. Go inside. <laughs> I'm a friend of a relative of hers. Oh, okay. <laughs> is your name on the list? No, no, no. They meant to put it on here, but they forgot. But I'm white and I have this transatlantic accent. And they're like, oh, exactly. well, let yourself so- in, sir. I absolutely can talk my way in here. Yeah, it's insane. It's so wild. He the way he's able to gather information with throughout this whole movie with just so much ease, just being like a wealthy, like rich white guy. Like I guess wealthy and rich make me the same thing, but wealthy white guy with that accent, (laughs) spoken like a poor poor. Um, yeah, fully wild. He gets in so easily. And I was like, oh, he's going to have to like jump through hoops or something to like make this happen. No, he just walks in. Mm -mm, And not only mm -mm. does he get access to her, but like they're giving him like information about like her visitors list and like all of this. Like, and he's not even having to try hard. He's just like, who else was here to visit her? It's like, you were like, you're claiming to be like a family friend of a relative of hers. Like, why do you need to be privy to who's who's like been here to visit her if you know the person or if you're looking for a specific person you should have their information should they want to contact you like exactly it makes no sense and like literally he just walks up to the front desk after already lying to get access and he's like who else has been here to visit her oh nobody just a young man what shut up (laughs) i'm sorry sir we're not at liberty to give the information about about any visitors um if you are friends with him you should just reach out to him directly yeah. Also, you shouldn't even be in her room. Why are why are you, as a friend of a relative of hers, needing one-on-one visitation with her anyway? And like every time he's alone with her, it's like we they're constantly like reminding us that he could kill her at any moment. And also <laughs> just like, the fact the fact that she doesn't recognize her son-in-law's voice is wild to me. Yeah, he doesn't like really disguise it at all. No. And she's and he's got a very distinct voice as a person. And it's like even if they haven't been in each other's lives that frequently, you still would have, ha- you know, had phone conversations with him or you've been at the wedding. Like you recognize a person's voice. You know what I mean? It, it, so it makes sense. Yeah. So wild. What's your next low vision? Okay, so my next low point is also at the fucking nursing home when um, Martin. Um, you mentioned that they have a near run in, um, with Laura and Martin, um, at the water fountain, but there is a shot of Martin drinking out of the water fountain where they zoom in on his mouth and tongue and he is sipping his water and it's supposed to be like so weird and sensual. He's like like filleting the water. He's like blowing the water. Yeah, it's really it's it looks like he's performing oral sex on the water. And we hold the shot for quite a long time and I and I hated it and I didn't understand why we did it. In his defense, it is a girthy stream that comes mm-hmm. out of this water fountain. <laughs> and he has those pretty pink lips pursed. But and he know, is ready to receive. You don't have it. to take it all, you know? You don't no, have to take it all. No, you don't. You can take a breather. But he But, but Martin he is here. Yeah. And actually what I really thought, honest and truly, is I was like <laughs> I was like, not this rich ass man drinking this water from this water fountain. That was honestly what I thought. It's like, you're a millionaire, sir. When Tara and I were watching this, she was like, why is everybody so obsessed with the water fountain? Like, it was was a line of people. Fucking thirsty as hell at this place. Line of people (laughs) trying to get access to this water fountain. A cup of water anywhere to be had? (laughs) What is happening? They don't call call them water fountain, they call them bubblers. 
in, yeah. the, in, the, um, in certain parts. Everybody's in line for in the, the bubbler. In, in the East Coast. In yeah. Boston, they call it a bubbler. Um, is that what it is in Boston? I thought it was, I, there's like a name, isn't there a name in, in like the Midwest? Is it I don't for know what like, they call it in the Midwest, but in Boston, it's a bubbler. Oh, okay. My husband just shouted at me water fountain from the other room, so he's... <laughs> Um, so apparently <laughs> down in my own um, garden. um but, but yeah. yeah that that's it uh, the, I, well i have one more like it point or, or sorry low the point but if you have another one uh, go ahead yeah so okay so one of mine i have i have a couple more so one of mine mm-hmm. is just this house in general this whole last section of the movie which is building to suspense i will say they the last section of this movie they do a really good job of building suspense like it's like shots of her just walking through the house and nothing's actually happening it but it's like you know that like it's like the space is pregnant with the potential and like she walks into every room and there's all of these jump scares that happen one after the other once again we've got ben letting himself into the house unannounced and he scares her but like she's walking into rooms to do things and to put things away and it's just like scare after scare and it was just like this isn't really a load that but it was because i hated the feeling that it was like creating in me it was like all of this like and it's a short movie which yeah. i think it benefits from so like when you get to this moment it's like you you aren't exhausted from having like been put through a you know uh you know two and a half hour long film so you're just like mm-hmm. on the edge of your seat and it feels like it's over so quick but every scene she enters, she flips on a light switch and you're like, oh, my God. Um, and but also, interestingly, like the other thing about this, this whole aspect of the movie that's really funny to me is it's like Laura, like, doesn't completely understand how to, like, deal with domesticity, apparently, because she's doing all of this crazy shit. She's like she burns toast in the toaster that she forgets <laughs> that she puts in the toaster. There, and Dave mm-hmm. was like, oh my God, Martin was in the house. He put the toaster. So it's like, no, that was her. She just like burned <laughs> it because she runs downstairs. She leaves. At first she goes upstairs after the toast. She had a tub running upstairs and she turns off the water. And then we were like, oh my God, like Martin's been in the house and turned the tub on. It's like, no, that was her too. Like, she just like doesn't but have. She, but it wasn't. I thought it was him. I thought he she's, knew that she was she's doing upstairs. these things. I thought he knew that she was doing these things and like she had left the bathroom and I think like in order to fuck with her he turned the tub back on making her think that she had done it herself. See what I thought happened was that she was upstairs, she was going to run a bath. She goes downstairs to put the toast on, then Ben jumps out and says, she "Come was, with me." She was in the bath. She was already in the bath and she got out of the bath. Because she, she heard goes something downstairs. Oh, was she? Okay, then maybe yes. the, then maybe I'm wrong, and maybe the yeah. tub was off. But I thought I remembered the tub being off, being on, and then her going mm-hmm. to run errands. And okay, then I stand corrected on that one. But mm-hmm. I stand by, you know, the other things that I said. <laughs> I certainly hope so. Um, okay, so my last little point is like in the final scene when um creeper martin finally reveals himself with the gun and is like i'm taking you back home or whatever and like ben knocks at the door because they're supposed to meet up but he martin's is standing behind the door with like the gun like propped up so that like ben can't see martin he can only see um laura's face and she's like uh yeah like i'm sorry i'm not feeling well or something i gotta stay home tonight or whatever and so she closes the door and like she doesn't signal to him but 
you find out pretty quickly that um Ben realizes that she's in distress. So he like slams through the door and like gets in this like 15 second fight with Martin and Martin knocks his ass out. And Ben is just so fucking useless in the final scene. Like there's no point in being there. He gets knocked out instantly and only wakes up at the end after, after Laura kills her husband and the police are on their way. <laughs> it's, it's like the shortest distraction uh that is that was my last one was yeah, i literally okay, wrote, useless good. bin at the end of the movie yeah he just <laughs> he gets knocked out and he is lies unconscious and uh, huh what'd you say he just lies there <laughs> oh he just lies there until we find out that he was actually faking it because shit was getting too real and he's like i can't this is the, the two like, of you gotta figure it out as soon as i saw that gun i was fucking out <laughs> yeah i was out i was it was night night um no he like knocks him in the head and then Laura's got to put the pieces together and she gets one mm-hmm. of those moments that I love. There's another movie like this and I cannot remember the name of oh, it, but it's another best. movie where a woman is being abused by her husband. She goes to the police. The police officer is sort of, he's bound by like le- the legalities, but he basically tells her like what to do. He teaches her how to like use a gun. And I think he even takes her to like the shooting range. And then she does this, which is clearly stolen from this movie. She mm. called or not even not stolen from this movie, but it's just a trope. She calls mm-hmm. the, the um, 911 and she basically reports the murder right before she does it, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it gives you the juicy moment where she says, I yeah. shot an intruder. And then she shoots his ass. Um, and although and apparently he's justice. he's the abominable like abuser because like mm-hmm. he cannot be killed like he he is really. coming back to life she puts she she does the thing which also I hate in movies but I know it's got to happen for dramatic effect yeah. where she thinks he's dead and then she drops the gun on the floor within six inches of him hate it and like crumbles and it's like you don't get this moment yet you don't get no. this moment until after you've been questioned by police you're back home you take I'll give you this moment like once we know that he's deceased I'm not giving you this moment while there's still like where I can hear the death rattle like <laughs> exactly. he's still we gotta- very much alive you got to double tap him. Make sure he's out for good. And yeah. And then you th- and then you almost think because there's a moment where he like grabs her. He comes back to life. He grabs her. He grabs the gun. He goes to shoot it and there's no more bullets in it. And it just clicks. And then he dies. Mm-hmm. And I thought in the moment that he grabs her and she like just she's just like paralyzed. Like she doesn't like yeah. try and like wrestle the gun out of his hand or get it out of his face. He's <laughs> never been weaker than he is in the moment. That would have been the moment to you to like knock that gun out of his hand. But she just like. <laughs> It's like if you let him if you let him shoot you now um after all that but i thought that was going to be the moment that ben like woke up and tried to play the hero yes, and like too. came through no still night night no still on the and floor baby she has to literally go over to ben with smelling salts to like yeah. revive him and he's and she's got to give him the rundown on what happened yeah and she's like hey baby boop you okay yeah she's like extra extra read all about it i fucking took yeah. care of business he barely tapped you you went night night um and slept through those gunshots there was a there was a parade of them you slept through all of them um i'm just trying to get you up before the police get here so you can just be like a functioning member of like whatever ben's like ben's like "Mm, oh my god i'm up do you want to have some questionly consensual sex yeah ben's like do you want to have some more sex in the gray area um no ben wakes up and he's like i can't believe i killed your husband and she's like i can't and i won't 
because I didn't do the hard work. I wish you had. That would have been nice for me not to have that on me. For me to rely on you a little bit. But uh, no, that's just another fifteen-second distraction. (laughs) Right. That is just simply another demon for me to wrestle with at night. Um, I just had to take a life uh, while you took a nap. So that (laughs) wraps up our coverage of 1991's Sleeping with the Enemy. And Jane, I have Mm. two questions for you. They're burning. They're bubbling. I certainly hope so. My first question is, is this a movie that you would watch again? Absolutely. It's so good. It's like, it's, it's, I, I, it's the perfect length too for Mm -hmm. what it is like you get you get in and you get out and you're like yes revenge has been fucking um doled out and i'm so happy so yes absolutely and then my second question is do you have a movie that you're ready for me to watch for next week i do and um i was speaking to um uh a, a little birdie aka um the producer of this podcast to let us know that it's actually our first holiday pick. Um, so hey, hey, hey. tis the season, it, tis the season. So I am going to have you watch 2004's Christmas with the Cranks. I've never seen it before. I don't actually know who's in it. Um, Good. I know it's a Caucasian family. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I am excited to watch it to see how they get down um around the holidays Uh, i know it's like a wacky film like i can see the cover in my head but i can't see this any of the Mm -hmm. stars Mm -hmm. so i'm excited to check it out and to start us and kick us into the holiday season i love it yes well thank you brand for bringing me um and the rest of us uh sleeping with the enemy it was super fun we hope that you all took the journey with us and made it to the end um we love you and appreciate you and if you want to keep up with us during the week in between episodes you can find us on our social media channels um at movies we missed on instagram and facebook and and of course, threads. Um, and we look forward to seeing you next week um, with a little holiday spirit and Christmas with the cranks. Christmas, happy holidays.